0: episode 109 recording a little bit later in the evening than we normally do
1: but i did have my coffee on the way over i'll have you know i'm gonna be You needed all coffee night. well i just wanted to make sure <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to come down from that insanity oh my god i don't need any coffee yeah i know
0: oh dear
1: yeah 35
0: points not enough apparently at home it felt like the old dan marino days Dolphins fans during the old Dan Marino days where he'd come out and throw for 400 yards, (laughs) six touchdowns, and they'd lose half the games. (laughs) Right. Because the defense (laughs) never did its part. Uh. Uh, Episode 109, Dear Mitch, I'm a 24-year Costco employee. Ooh. The purpose of the member service person at the door. I honestly can't
1: wait to hear this. I'm, I've always wanted to know as well.
0: You better tell our freebie listeners where this comes from, from the patron show.
1: Oh, right. Yes. You went to Costco recently. Right. And you were wondering. I've how, always wondered. Yeah, but it kind of hits you recently.
0: What the 95-year-old what the guy <laughs> oh, he, who asks you for your receipt when you walk out the door, yeah. and he looks at your, your cart that's got like... $500 worth of merchandise in right. it. and he looks at the receipt and he looks at your cart and he looks at the receipt for like four seconds. Yeah. He scribbles something and he says, okay, you can go. He's clearly not doing an inventory. Okay. I don't know what he's doing.
1: <laughs> We're about to find out. I, think. I don't know. That's what I said on
0: the patron show. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought I'd lead off with a great. I'm a 24 year old, uh, not year old, 24 Ooh. year Costco employee. The purpose of the member service person at the door is to double check for any potential cashier mistakes double scans missing items or maybe something that they forgot to give you like movie tickets ah we flag certain things differently on receipts so they stand out easier for these employees to quickly check i'm not buying it by the way uh with our volume they catch things a lot more than you'd expect they're also there to make sure someone doesn't walk through the registers without buying something and try to stroll out without a receipt okay OK, another thing that happens on occasion, they don't necessarily confront a thief, but at least they ask the question in alert management. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, that guy's not going to confront
1: any thief that I've seen standing no. there with the sharpie. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no, and his cane. Yeah, no, not confront. And, you. I, you
0: know, with all due respect to Zach, I'm sure he's telling us the truth here. Yeah. But again, he's explaining what he's doing. And this person literally looks at your receipt and looks at your cart or your whatever it is. Yeah, your uh, your pallet that you're carrying out to your car. And he looks for like four seconds. There's no way he can do what Zach says he's doing in five seconds. Well, come on, maybe it is easy. There's to, just no way. Maybe it is easy to
1: read the receipt if, if you got double charged or... Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. it, there are a million things on the receipt. So I'm, just saying, yeah. I'm just
0: saying. I'm just reading it what I read. Right. Hey, Mitch, uh, only cause you asked for feedback and because I love the show and the podcast... I have noticed a bit of a pattern Uh with your Sunday night and Wednesday night recording shows Sundays. You seem lower energy and a bit subdued. I even think you sound tired, but come Wednesday, Thursday, when we actually hear at the patrons, you are back to Mitchie, the kid feisty and lots of good energy. Love the content and all the stuff that you do. Thanks for being awesome. Hotshot Two. Ah, uh, Jason. <laughs> he looks surprised. Right? Well, no, this the, the poem was like a poem. Oh, gotcha. Love the content and all that you do. Oh. Thanks for being awesome, hot shot too. Oh yeah, there you wow. go. Wow, it's like a hallmark card. I, I'm. I got this. It just this this made me stop in my tracks. Oh, I'm this.
1: sure it did. You, you have a tendency to get up in your head about stuff like this.
0: Did you notice this? I mean, is he the only one who's noticed? It? Am I more subdued on Sunday nights for the Monday morning
1: shows? It's funny because I've actually thought that the I, opposite. Well, no, just I can only speak for me. I yeah. feel like I. The Wednesday shows, I'm, I just do better. I, when, the Sunday shows, I just feel like I'm not, I don't do very well at them. I don't know really? why. I feel like my energy is a so little low. So now you don't
0: do well, <clears throat> I don't do well. Well, No wonder there's only four people that listen <laughs> on Monday morning. That's
1: why it's free, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, I thought that about myself too, when I listen back. Really? Yeah, I, I feel like I sound a little different. Do you feel that I sound a little different? You sound like you to me. You just feel like
0: you just turn it on. You always just sound like you. So I haven't noticed it. Well, this is uh, this is Jason who thinks that I don't bring the energy. So I this is one hundred nine. Yeah. The Seahawks just won thirty-five thirty. We're recording this moments after uh, they stopped Cam Newton. By the way, well, we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> I don't wanna pops. get I don't wanna get to it. <laughs> I don't wanna jump the gun here. I don't yeah. wanna be overly enthusiastic. That's right. <laughs> I wanna be a little more subdued. This is episode one hundred and nine. Hope everybody will subscribe. Give us a rating. Maybe write a review. We haven't had a lot of reviews on Apple in a while. If you haven't written a review, do so. Really appreciate it. You know what I like to call this? This is the best one-star podcast on the Apple podcast platform. That's right. How'd you do on Beat the Boys? I owe everybody a password for next week, weekend number three, before we start the show.
1: Well, I've already been challenged by somebody in my neighborhood to another contest where we just take our Beat the Boys picks. Yes. And whoever loses has to buy the other one lunch. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. Maybe you and I should have one of those. Uh, Just a, a... I'm always in for action. Any kind of action. Are I'm you in. sure? Well, I had a nice little two in one day,
0: so I'm it's feeling better little- than my one and two day. Yeah, i I'm so hap- you're three and three to start the two weeks. I'm happy to carry us. And I'm three and three to start the two weeks, <laughs> yeah. which means a lot of people on Beat the Boys. And by the way, Beat the Boys is presented by Fireside Home Solutions, reminding you that football season is fireplace season. So it's time to update, update that old crappy one or get a new one or yeah. an energy efficient one, something that warms the cockles of your heart Love and it. your house. Love it. Um, yeah, I went one and two. So I owe everybody a password okay the password this past week was podcast it was right yes so we need a password for this week and everybody got mad at me over the password for last so I got a lot of email oh my god why don't you make one that somebody can't guess why don't you make people actually listen to the show if somebody didn't listen they would type in podcast people, people were, what really yeah, people upset. thought that people thought the passcode was way too easy easily uh, hoodwinked okay so right. I don't think this next one will be okay the password for week three, and by the way, I just picked the games. They're going to be toughies, tough okay. games.
1: Anti-disestablishmentarianism? Is that the password no. this week? Oh, okay.
0: It's a, it's a five-letter word, mm. and she's just outside the door. Ah, gotcha. I like it. Her name was born because we were driving to pick her up, our little new puppy. I was peeing all over the place, <laughs> recklessly, like nobody's business, like three times every half hour. We had to take, we had to take urine samples oh, now to the doctor because she's peeing way too oh, often no. and we're worried about whether we got like a bladder infection. Hope we didn't get something. a lemon. <laughs> you, you got, have your receipt? We, we got, we got a, we got a blab, not a lemon. Um, <laughs> and uh, what was I going to say? Oh. We were driving up and we were coming up with names, driving up together in Stanwood, Washington. I told you the whole story. I won't go through it again. I don't know that I told you the story of the naming. I I don't think so. I told you off the air, right? Or maybe I I didn't. No, I don't think you did. Okay. All right. So we're driving up and and we're kind of stuck. We're getting a chocolate lab and we're kind of stuck between Hershey Mm. and Coco. Oh, okay. It's going to be a female. Yeah. Hershey and Coco. I liked both. And they were talking in the in the car. The whole family's driving up like Chevy Chase on vacation. We're all f- driving up to Stanwood, Washington to get her. Even the college kid went with you? College oh, kid wow. was forced to go. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like him. Because we told him that we'd pick up his girlfriend on the way back. Is that That's right? a story for
1: another day. <laughs> you got to bribe him? Got to bribe him. I love it.
0: Um, <laughs> and finally, you know, do you remember the name of my childhood, Doberman Pinscher? The Just dog? Sammy. Do you know how we got that name? Yes. How? Uh, it's the first two letters. My of- dad and mom, yes. Yes, go ahead. Well, I thought it was the first two letters of each yeah. of the boys. They picked the name. Right, she okay. was a puppy. I was three. Yeah, and they just decided J A for my oldest brother Jay. Yep. S A for my the middle the middle brother Sander and M I for Mitchell. Just Sammy was it's her cute. name. It's actually okay? a cute name. It works. So as they're discussing Hershey and Coco as we're driving up to Stanwood, Washington, <laughs> my home away from homes, that in Aberdeen. <laughs> That's right. I go Aberdeen to Stanwood. <laughs> I <laughs> thought, well, Max and Brett mobber yeah. doesn't. But Max's middle name is Michael, and Brett's middle name is Stuart. So I said, why don't we borrow a page from my parents who named Jasami, Jasami after the three boys? M-I-S-T, Mist, we'll throw a Y on, we got Misty. That's great. That's good. And she looks like a Misty. It's a cute name. But here's the issue that they are just torturing me. My family is torturing me about, and it's terrible. Okay. I cannot not call her Sadie. Oh. I have called her Sadie literally every single time I've called her. Yeah. I've referred to her. I I, I have not gotten it right yet. We've had her for oh. now a week and a day, and I can't stop calling her Sadie. And they correct me every single time. They can't believe I can't get it through my head to call her Misty. I keep calling her Sadie.
1: When I met my wife, I was calling her my ex-girlfriend's name all the time. So I <laughs> totally know what you're what you saying. <laughs> it took a long time to, to mix that up. But. Uh, anyway,
0: code word. For weekend number three of Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions, and you know how it works, three games each week, 17 weeks, regular season weeks, 51 games. Everybody who beats both you and me, and I guess both of us are three and three, gets a prize. Some sort of a prize, a small prize from Mitch Unfiltered. I'm trying to... I did... um, you want the games? Sure. It's not that it matters. I yeah, I'm curious. I just wrote the games. Texas Texans at Steelers, 0-2 versus, I believe, 2-0. Yep. Steelers, pa- uh, they could have easily lost. Ugh. Packers at Saints. Okay. And Chiefs at Ravens next, next Monday night. Chiefs at You think ESPN's happy to have that yeah. game? Chiefs at Ravens. Are there two more Ugh. highfalutin teams right now in the NFL? Great game. Than the Chiefs, with all due respect to your Seattle Seahawks and its defense? I thought Drew than Brees the, was on national TV this week, too. I thought I remember seeing. Maybe well, that's sun- next week. Yeah, that's Sunday night. Sunday night. Okay, I did good, that yeah. one. I did that one. Packers Saints. Packers Saints. Saints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So those are the three. But you're going to need to type in the word Misty. And you're supposed to ask me, after I give you the code word, every mm-hmm. single time you ask me the same question, is it
1: Okay, let's see. Case here. oh, it's a case sensitive. I absolutely gotcha.
0: not. Hotshot. No, it is not. No, okay. you can you can write it with a small m and a capital I. You can go small m, small i, capital s. And how long is this going to go? No, it's not going to go.
1: There. Thank you for the reminder today, whether about my picks. Thank you for the the email that to it because you, you, you were concerned I wasn't going to get my picks in, which is understandable. That you sent me an email saying, "Did you get your picks in?" That's nice and all, but no.
0: I sent out an email to everybody in the pool oh, on Saturday. Did. That would have been yesterday, the day oh, before we were Saturday? recording. This. I thought yeah. I got it Sunday. No, I think I. You You may have gotten it Sunday. Oh. Maybe your mail is. Maybe your mailman needs. To, <laughs> is the guy from Costco? He's or, a little. He's a little.
1: Maybe DeJoy's in charge of that one too, and he's slowing <laughs> my email down. <laughs> anyway, this is
0: episode one hundred and nine. We want you to become a, a Mitch Unfiltered patron. By the way, we're recording this for a release on September twenty-first. So there's still what. Nine days left in our free September promotion. Yep. Still some time left if you want to write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. By the way, this past week for patrons, people that are members of the patron shows, four releases this last week alone. Wow. You had 108P, where I told you the story of my first ever Sonics game with Michael O'Shea. Who, by the and way, you, it's gonna I've be- heard from. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming on. one 10- oh. 109p this week Uh, i gotta check my email i don't know i emailed him you'll wait a a day after you get it yeah that's right um (laughs) so we did the 108p we did the seahawks no table our first ever seahawks no table that will be a weekly thing great The, the the two guys joe fan and brady henderson and me we talk about nothing but seahawks for about 15 or 20 minutes seahawks no table was released we did a play better golf with rick fair installment number five and we did a fantasy lineup advice show which we do each week as well so we're, get, we're up to the point where the bonus content, the weekly bonus content, four shows a week. Yeah, that's a lot of Just content. Just about four shows a week, three great. and a half shows a week. That's great. Anyway, nice. Work. Uh, the guests on 109, this very show, with a lot of enthusiasm, I'm going to bring it. Uh, the guests are Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. He was there to watch it, Seahawks versus the, uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, Brought to you by Taco Time. Rick Neuheisel on all of the the crap that's going. It looks like the Big Ten's going to play. And as of Thursday, it looks like the Pac-12 is going to play. You're going to get Pac-12. You're going to get University of Washington football before it's all said and done. I can stop watching the Rose Bowl from 1991 now. (laughs) Maybe a new game will happen that I can watch. (laughs) Rick Neuheisel will be with us, courtesy of Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app, which reminds you to order ahead. And former PGA Tour colorful winner and personality Ken Green. He's been on a few times. We had a U.S. Open over the weekend. Not my favorite guy. Won Bryson DeChambeau. He oh. won going away by six shots. Did he really? And I gotta hear. I gotta hear from Ken Green on how he feels. How we all should feel about the new way of playing golf. Just hit it as far as you can every single time, and then go chase it. But why hasn't that been the rule since golf started to hit it as far as you can? I mean, that seems like something you'd want to do. Most times, yes. But certain times you're supposed to hit it straight and accurate. And you're supposed to hit it in the fairway and not just spray it all over. Not just hit it as far as you can and hit it wherever no you want where to go goes, get it. There's okay. supposed to be a penalty to that. And he uh. is just he's just gained 40 pounds. He's gotten big. <laughs> Who he's hasn't? gained 40 <laughs> I'm with him. A different way than you <laughs> okay, did. Gotcha. <laughs> A different way than you and I. Anyway, that's uh Kenny Green will be on episode 109 as well. I love it. Okay. Hot shot. Before we officially begin episode 109, how great have my sponsors, how great have our partners been through this whole mess, like Zeke's Pizza, lots of options during these crazy times. All 17 locations are open, taking extra safe precautions dining in. Or you can obviously pick up at any Zeke's restaurant. Delivery has become their staple. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. Pizza and Growler's are at your door in no time. A couple of clicks, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, three of the four locations open. Bellevue Place, South Lake Union, Leschi, which is still offering $40 bottles of Veuve Clico Champagne, regularly $145. My family and I celebrated a birthday and my oldest moved to Montlake on the Leschi patio overlooking Lake Washington. A couple of steaks, salmon, tuna, and some great appetizers. Remember, Daniel's does offer delivery and pickup. If you don't want to die, in Daniel's broiler world-class steakhouses the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage 425 250-3150. You are absolutely giving away money if you don't at least consider the incredible numbers now on 30-year fixed loans and the high 2%. Jordan Flowers' team at the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage can literally save your family money every month with just like a seven-minute phone call. It's worth the call. 425-250-3150. And Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengk.com. Find out what Tyler Hayes Group does. Read their free news newsletter start to make the right decisions which will be felt by your family for years to come evergreen gov call is a premier wealth manager here in the northwest episode 109 can't believe we've already done 109 of these things and it starts right now unfiltered the pack 12 is the last of the big biggie conferences that has yet to you know green light some sort of initiative to play. I guess the governor of California said, hey, don't don't put us in the middle of this. Don't, don't blame California for the lack of Pac-12 football. We've got no state regulations that right. precludes the Pac-12 from starting football. And the Oregon guy said, us, us too. Well, we don't have any issues. Unfiltered. He's blaming the two interceptions on Tom Brady, and they, that might be true. To me, that's refreshing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's refreshing that a coach is willing to say, hey, here's what happened. Yeah. Tell you the truth and not dance. I, like Pete Carroll would have never said that. In a million years. In a million years, whether that was exactly the truth about Russell Wilson in a game, he would never, ever, ever say that. Mitch is unfiltered. The official start to episode 109. Here I sit. I'm wearing Syracuse University shirt. He's wearing Issaquah football shirt. That's right.
1: Yeah. One of my He's Hot 11. Shot Scott. Yeah. By the way, we were talking about Drew Brees, where he's going to be on national TV for one of the games that we picked for Beat the Boys. Yeah. Has he stopped licking his fingers during this, this COVID stuff or not? No. I haven't seen him play yet, but I can't wait no. to watch. I'm curious. Why
0: would he stop licking his fingers? <laughs> because there's a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Licking your fingers. Oh, God. There are certain priorities in life. <laughs> yeah. And Drew Brees licking his fingers before every, every uh, oh, play is God. a very important one. So we've got, we've got 109. We've got Seahawks. We do. We've got the Niners just ravaged Ugh. by injury. You hate to win it this way. It was
1: hard to revel in it, though. <laughs> nah, it was hard to... Always,
0: I'm not uh, reveling in it. <laughs>
1: gotcha. I'm Nor not reveling
0: in it. Yeah. I would hate for anybody to get hurt. I never wish injury upon anybody. <laughs> Fine. But. I I don't. I don't want to win it this way. Yeah, yeah. But boy, it seems like the NFC West took a huge turn on Sunday morning our time when they went to where the Jets. And they won, but they lost everybody. Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. Bosa's out for the year. Solomon Thomas out for the year. Mostert's out out for a while. Kittle and Sherman were already out. I mean, the 49ers were decimated by injury going in, and they are, And I mean, and it seems like the entire NFL, did you see what happened on oh, Sunday? Bar- Saquon Barkley. I think gone for the year. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. I mean, there's loads of NFL players, and then we saw it on Sunday night. We saw the Seahawks have some injuries. It looked like Dwayne Brown was going to be hurt right away. Saw that, yeah. And God, he came back in, but some other guys, like your guy Marquise Blair, I don't know that he's coming back this year. It's weird because after week one,
1: I remember thinking, "Yeah, the Seahawks got out of that game clean. I didn't see a bunch of injuries around the NFL. Maybe we don't need preseason. Tons of
0: injuries and in the th- second week. Week two just made oh, up for my it, God. didn't it? Was it was awful. So is there an official word on, on Marquise Blair yet? No, I not not at the time that we're recording okay. this, but I'm sure we'll hear some, that, that Look, did you see the replay? Yeah. Friendly fire. Did you see Somebody KJ f- Wright come flying in at the end? It was totally unnecessary. It was after Marquise Blair had already made a great play on the, on the, uh, the stop. It was over, yeah. Oh, I
1: God. hope it's a hyper extension. I'm rooting for a hyper extension. Well, looked a it was definitely
0: hyper extension. Well, the question is did the hyper no <laughs> extension lead anything? So we got the Seahawks, we got the Niners ravaged by injury. We've got the Cardinals and the Rams winning lots and lots of games. We've got. Bryson DeChambeau, my least favorite, one of not my least favorite, but one of my lesser favorite guys winning the U.S. Open going away. We've got King LeBron James announcing that he's pissed that he was the runner-up for the MVP. <laughs> yeah. We've got the Big Ten changing its mind. They're going to play eight games probably starting on October the 24th, which means, you know, whatever the Big Ten does, the Pac-12 then does. So the Pac-12 is going to meet on Thursday all the CEOs mm-hmm. of the Pac-12, and they're probably going to have a five or six or seven-game season. We've got—I uh, don't know—you got Joe Buck going into the Hall of Fame, finding out in the middle of a broadcast and crying. Everybody's favorite Joe Buck going into the Football Hall of Fame as an announcer. Really? Yeah, he found out in the middle like Thursday night. Joe he didn't cry, started did he? to cry. Well, a little bit. he talked ah. about his dad. Mm. Yeah, we've got—we've got, we've got a—we had—we had a Twins player, Josh Donaldson, get thrown. When was the last time you saw a guy get thrown out of a game after he hit a home run? After he hit a home run? I think I've been watching baseball seriously for 45 years, and I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this. Josh Donaldson did not like a couple of calls by the home plate umpire, and then on the next pitch, he hit it over the park. He hit it out of the park. He rounded the bases. He came back. He stepped on home and then started kicking the dirt on home plate. Really? The guy threw him out. (laughs) So he scored (laughs) on a home run, and then he threw him out. I don't don't think I've ever seen that. Never seen that, no. Yeah. And, and there you go. And Russell Wilson, by the way, who was fantastic again on again. Sunday night, he says to, to Dan Patrick, hotshot, that he is the best quarterback in the – he feels, he believes, without a doubt, he's the best quarterback in the NFL.
1: Were you surprised to hear he's never received an
0: MVP MVP vote? I was surprised to hear he's never <sighs> – not one vote? Not one vote. Ever. Not one vote. Somebody should just vote for him anyway. I mean, well, just vote for him. Collinsworth so said he,
1: he would have, but he got kicked out he yeah, because he missed it. Yeah, because tardy
0: the year before. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: yeah. That's amazing. Now, yeah. Did, did he get the chance this year? He's he looks, Well, he's
0: t- through two games. He's probably the MVP of the league already. But didn't we think that maybe yeah. through eight or nine last year? Yeah, he was great year. to be start this yeah. it's a whole. It's a, let's wait a little bit. All right, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Before we start voting for the MVP, <laughs> let's wait a little bit. Yeah. Is it easier to be a fan of the ballet or the Seattle Seahawks? It's, I forgot all about that routine until last that's week. My routine, you know? yeah, but, mean, that's my routine. Yeah. I mean, that's my claim to fame.
1: One of the listeners hit me on Twitter. You
0: know, like Yakov Smirnoff, what a country? Oh, sure, you yeah. You know, like Rodney Dangerfield. I get no, res- I get no respect. I tell you. You know that? Oh, yeah. Mitch Levy is easier to be a fan of the ballet. Yeah. You know? That's my routine. That's all e- I got. Even on a win, it's easier. I know. Can you believe they had to, we had to sweat that out? No, I can't. How can the offense be better? I mean, truly. How can the offense, how many games this year, is the offense as a whole going to be better than it was on Sunday night against the New England Patriots? I mean, think about it. The quarterback was superhuman. The quarterback was, I believe, 21 of 28. Either 20 or 20, yeah, 21 of 28. Yep, 21, 28. Uh, for 280-something yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. We know about the interception. Yeah, it should have been 22 for 28. It went right off the hands of Davion Clowney. I mean, I, mean, I mean Greg Olson. <laughs> I, I tweeted about that. I really did. I really meant Greg Olson. That, n- that was a Freudian. I, never going to warm I, up to this I, deal. I, 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 well, if he starts scoring touchdowns, I will. I mean, think about it this, this way. I'm talking about how good the offense was. Yep. Think about it this way. Do you know quarterback rate, passer ratings in the NFL? The perfect passer rating is 158.3. His passer rating on Sunday night was 132.2, okay? If you take the ball that he threw to Greg Olson, which was, I think, his first pass of the game, maybe his second pass of the game, that hit him right in the hands, right? And you turn that from an interception into a catch. Okay which 99 out of 100 times it's going to be a catch for and I looked at it probably 8 yards. Oh, that many. Okay. Maybe 7 or 8 yards. Sure. Maybe maybe not. Maybe you, maybe you wouldn't have gotten away. If you had just turned that interception into a catch and changed nothing else, yeah. His passer rating on Sunday night is 151. Is that right? 158.3 is a perfect passer. So, Jeez. he's so he's great, right? Oh uh, yeah, he's, say great. he's great. Well, how about the, this this two-game stretch? I mean, has he have, Unbelievable. had a better back-to-back games? Un- well, he's had, he's had some great okay. back-to-back games. this is games. pretty good, though. This is incredible, yeah. incredible. So you throw that in with the fact that when they decided to run the ball, they ran it for 154 yards on 5.1 yards a carry. Okay. So the quarterback was all world. The receivers were great. The running backs were good. The offensive line blocked a little bit. Uh, they let uh, they they got beaten a few times his the protection wasn't horrible you know, i didn't his, think no his his um the rookie right the rookie guard got beaten a couple times yeah. for a sack and then a holding but all things considered i'm i don't think they're going to play a more efficient explosive offensive game the rest of the year and yet we had to sweat that thing our we had our sweat our are nads off until the very, very, very last play. I'm still sweating. Look at me. I'm sweating, too. Yeah, I know. I mean, what kind of business is it? I mean, when they have their best offensive game that they're going to have all year, you would think you would win that game going away.
1: It felt like they never were going to be stopped if there weren't penalties. That's right. Didn't it feel like they just could not be stopped? They
0: were that good. Be- the only time they got stopped really yeah. was when they stopped themselves. That's right. A couple of... um, um. Illegal start, whatever. Uh, false start. False start, yeah. There was a holding or so, so in there. I mean, yes. That crack, yes. crackback block was. Well, no, crap. but they, they they got through that. They oh. still They still scored on that on that try. But you're right. The yeah. only time they stopped, they they got stopped. They stopped themselves. That's how Ugh. good offense. And yet we had to sweat our balls off yeah. until the last play from the one yard line. And that last play, I don't know that I ever remember <laughs> a play involving the Seahawks or an opponent. Where everybody, literally everybody in the world (laughs) knew exactly what play was going to come on. Well, it worked. It worked in the past. It worked in the past. And that... Was there one person that was watching that game? I mean, it could have been just as simple as him coming to the line and saying, "Hey guys, we're running that play. They're gonna they're gonna snap it to me. Right. I'm gonna hesitate for a half a second, then I'm gonna go over the left side." Yeah. The whole world knew what play was coming. It was like, "We dare you to stop us." It was like the old commercial, the Duracell commercial. I dare you to knock this 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 battery off my shoulder. You two, you are probably, no, probably no no. Was it was it like a rugby player named No Ch- No Chaco it, or it was an actor? It was like a it was like a, a tough guy actor that I'm I, thinking of. I thought they got like an Aussie rules football player they may have to gotten do it in, it in later some point. years, maybe Jacko yeah. or, I dare you to knock this batter. Yeah, yeah. It was like, Okay, here's the play. Collinsworth knows, Michaels knows, <laughs> the Seahawks know, Ken Norton knows, yeah. everybody watching knows, the 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 three people that were there know. Everybody knows what play is coming, and finally the Seahawks got a little bit of pennant. they sold out. And have you ever seen – you've obviously seen in college and in pro that same play but where the quarterback comes to the line like he's going to run and then he jumps and he tosses like a a, a jump throw to the back of the head where one guy just lets him – was there any chance that that wouldn't have worked?
1: Well, but the touchdown before, the guy was wide open for the Patriots. I can't remember who caught it. Like a running back came out and caught. It was wide open. I thought that the – Touchdown before it
0: was Cam Newton. Wasn't Cam Newton on a uh, touchdown before?
1: But there was one where they were up on the line yeah. and he snuck out and was wide open. Yeah. So part of me thought maybe they would try to do that, but
0: Oh come on. One yard line, yeah. they hadn't stopped it all night. They hadn't stopped did. it all night, yeah. And so we so I I I asked the question being a fan yeah. of football, my you know. God, I aged. <laughs>
1: I know it's crazy. God. And by the way, it's week two. This is not like to get to the playoffs or for the number one seed. It's week two. And
0: I'll go one step further with you. Okay. If I if I were doing a a morning show in in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. WTE.
1: No, what is it? W T E M or W. No, that would be Washington. W E I maybe. I. Yeah, have, that sounds right. But
0: there's a whole bunch. The hub. There's a whole bunch oh, of okay. them. Okay. If I were doing a morning show on Monday morning in Boston, Massachusetts. Josh McDaniels would be feeling the wrath of And Maybe I'd only have three listeners yeah. and a few callers mm. that we staged. Yeah, yeah,
1: an upgrade from your Seattle days. Yeah, an yeah.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> upgrade from my – a couple more from my Seattle days. Yeah. Maybe no one would have listened or pay attention, <laughs> but I can guarantee you that I would be on the air on Monday morning killing Josh McDaniels because the Seahawks could not stop the Patriots. It yeah. was obvious by the game's end the Seahawks could – and there were about two or three possessions – you're going to remember this. You're not going to remember which ones, but you remember what I'm saying. Okay. There are about two or three possessions where on third and long, they did something like a, like a conservative, like a pitch. They totally took the Seahawks off the hook like three times. Yeah. Three of their – you go back to the the possessions where they had, had to punt, where the Patriots did not get it on third down, and go look at those, those play calls. The only ones that they failed – it was, well, I shouldn't say only once. There were two or three where they failed on third down because they caught a play, unlike, they called like a running play, like a, a handoff or a pitch. Do you remember the ones yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about? It was weird. They, they totally let the Seahawks yeah. off the hook like three times. Yeah. The play, I, I would be killing him. I'd be killing him. Although it'd be hard to kill him because the quarterback had 400 yards passing. Right. And they scored 30 points against the Seahawks, and they're, they're a reconstructed offense. So I know that overall, Josh McDaniels may have done a good job, but. He let the Seahawks off the hook with his play calling a couple of times.
1: Last week, I asked you about Matt Ryan's gaudy numbers that he had. Yeah. And it's like, well, some garbage time or some quick passes. You know. Okay, was this garbage time
0: against Cam Newton? No, no, there was no garbage time right. here. Okay, so know. are we worried yet about yes. the secondary yep. well, that the they spent second- a bunch of money on? I'm not okay. as I'm not as worried about the secondary as I am the front four. okay front fair. four
1: is just It's probably just no. yeah it's it's an effect of the front four well, not let, getting let's talk either.
0: about the secondary okay are you worried about Jamal Adams? No. Okay. Diggs didn't play, right? He got thrown out in the first possession or so, yeah, right? But he's good. I'm, okay. I'm cool You're not worried him. about him. No. Okay. Do you think that um Dunbar that, sh- that Shaq Griffin is okay? Sure, yeah, yeah. He's at least okay and probably better than okay. A decent starter. And then Dunbar. He got beat a couple times early in the game, yeah. and then he had a, a pick six in his oh, hands. Yeah. He had a pick six in his hands that he dropped. And then he made the same play a little bit later. He made the interception, wasn't a pick six. He's going to get better, I would think, as we go along. I, I don't worry about – I, I think, you know, I, I'll i miss Blair if they if he's out for the season. Yeah, me too. But I think the other guy is good. Amadi is good. Yeah, he made a couple big plays. I think plays. he's yeah. good. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I, the linebackers, I don't worry about – Bobby Wagner, I don't really worry about KJ Wright. I don't know if Bruce Irvin's gonna be back. I don't know the significance of yeah. his injury. I'm gonna tell you where I'm concerned. It's the same thing as I, I'm, as I, you don't, you're shaking your head. Yes, you don't know what I'm gonna say. Oh, I
1: just assume it's the pass rush.
0: You well, could. the pass rush is a problem. Yeah. But Mayoa has gotten home a couple of times in the first two games. Although he whiffed once, he gets home, he's got to make the play. Yeah. Um, and there's been a couple of spots. I'm gonna say already in week two what I said after the season last year to everybody who would listen, including you, which is this team has too many good players on defense to be this bad as a unit. I know this is going to come down on Ken Norton. I said it last year at the end of the year that there's got to be something wrong either with defensive philosophy or coaching or something, when you've got now Jamal Adams, Shaq Griffin who's good, Diggs, who's good, Dunbar who's good, yep. okay, Marquise Blair was you've playing well. You've got Bobby Wagner who's all world. Yep. You've got guy. You got you, you've got enough players of those eleven where the team should not be awful defensively. Right. They should be at least okay defensively. And oh, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, okay defensively this year with the way that offense looks, Super Bowl. Right. Okay. Just mediocre. Okay. Yep. How many times in life would you like to be able to say, "I just want to be okay"? <laughs> I've lived in something.
1: A li- I've lived a life of being mediocre. Yeah, <laughs> but it hasn't gotten you anything. It sure hasn't. I'm
0: telling you that okay here is a. <laughs> I'm That's telling true. you that okay here is it's a Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah,
1: it's scary. Yeah, we're, we're laughing, but it, it's frustrating. That front four what could if not I, get what home. What if I
0: was able to go to the gas station? What if you were able to go to the gas station on the way home? Yeah. And you went in and you said, I want a, I want a lottery ticket. I just want to be – I want an okay one that wins me $200 million. <laughs> right. <that'd> be- <laughs> all I want to do is be able to hit two out of the six numbers. Yeah. Could you imagine if an okay wow. lottery ticket got you a billion bucks? would be great. That's all this team has to be with yeah. how, how good this offense looks and with the way Schottenheimer now is essentially given up. He's given up. He's letting – I'm, yeah. not gonna I mean, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Russell Wilson play. I heard Chris Collinsworth say it. Everybody oh, said it. Everybody's no. tweeting it. Everybody, awful. Whatever. I'm just saying, they just need to be okay defensively, and they've got plenty of good players to be okay. It doesn't make any sense. There's something, as my mother, 80, 85 or 86 years old, would say, there's something rotten in Denmark. That's her favorite expression. Yeah,
1: I, I like that there expression There is something
0: too. rotten in Denmark. Yeah. Why isn't this team a little bit... They got Jamal Adams running around like a Superman out there and they've still given up 30 points to Cam Newton and no receiver. Look at the receivers that the Patriots have. Now, I shouldn't be complaining. I'm going off right now. I'm being no, unfiltered. And the only reason, people who don't like this, you can thank the the emailer at the beginning of the episode who said I don't bring energy to, <laughs> to the Sunday night right, games. You, th- you thank Jason, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you... Jamal Adams is even better than advertised yeah. he's running around making plays disrupting it and they're still cancer. look at the receivers the Patriots. have you heard, had you ever heard of besides Edelman had you ever heard of one of the New England Patriots receivers no they were, they were not impressive at all at all they lost their number one running back in a tragic tragic way his yeah. his, uh, his father passed away his mother's fighting for his life they lost him before game time yeah he was inactive I mean they should be better they're at home. The Patriots were the ones that traveled across the country. Right. Why aren't these guys better as a team with Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams?
1: Yeah. I, come on. It's just It scares me that your best pass rusher is a safety. You cannot live with that. No. Because you're going to also die with it. You keep bringing him, someone good's going to get you over the middle. They
0: should be better. I know.
1: I, I, what did they see in the offseason to say, well, we don't need to do anything at defensive line. We're good.
0: I would love to know. Well, they did. They did things. They went. They went and got Mayoa. Okay. And they went and got um, old Bruce Irvin. Oh, Bruce, Ervin, old I mean, Bruce Ervin, yeah, Back it, and both, those two guys combined for 16 sacks last year. All right. Um, they did some things in the interior, of the defensive line. They drafted a guy from Tennessee who hasn't even seen a practice field yet because right. he's injured. He's hurt. They they drafted a guy from Syracuse who's a good pass rusher. We haven't seen him yet. Guy from Texas Tech
1: too, maybe. Uh, he got in. He got in tonight. Or yesterday? Are we talking
0: about Jordan Brooks? Is it Jordan Brooks? Is that- well, he would be the first-round draft choice. Yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. Did- <laughs> well, I mean, but he didn't do anything. I know whether you're being serious. or. I don't think he, he played. He played for like three three downs. Right. Yeah, How am I supposed to know played. Jordan Brooks very well? Well, you would th- that, that's another question. Why isn't a first-round pick on a bad defense able to, to compete enough to be able to play? It'd be nice. L.J. Collier? He was a high pick last year. Well, yeah. It's only two games. It's only two games. Let's yeah, see. Let's right. see what happens. Let's see what happens. What other stuff do you have on the Seahawks? you have any, any things you want to discuss? I, I will say this, that Russell Wilson's dominance the first two games, what do you have, four touchdown passes the first game and five yeah. the second game? There's one bad, bad thing that comes out of that, and you oh, know what that is. I do.
1: I thought about that on the way over to your house. Yeah. I know. No free tacos. As great as his performance was, he couldn't get us a free taco out of it. You couldn't just throw one in.
0: Well, he would have to run one in. Well, him. throw in a running touchdown. Throw in a running touchdown. Yeah. Maybe himself, if he's if he's a hog yeah, and he sure. wants to do everything himself. Yeah, do it. He's even throwing to Chris Carson now. He's not handing it to him at the goal line. He throws it to him instead. By
1: the way, what a weapon that is. You must love it because you love Chris Carson. So
0: I, it doesn't change the fact that I will be having lunch at Taco Time Northwest right. on Tuesday. But it does change the fact that because there was no rushing touchdown, there'll be no free tacos. There'll be no buy one, get one free. You're going to have to buy your own tacos. Please do everybody. But, but... There's always next week. There's always the Dallas Cowboys game. Yep. And remember, Taco Time app. Make sure that you download the Taco Time Northwest app and order ahead. Order ahead so that they can have your meal waiting for you on a little shelf inside the door of the location that you choose. Okay? Do it. Nice. Yep. yep. What else do you have on well, your on your on your list from the game?
1: I just found myself being kind of grumpy during this game and I don't know why. It got off to a weird start with first of all the announcement of uh, James White's parents. That right. just kind of hit me in the stomach. Like, how awful is that? Yep. And then you get into the football game, and Dwayne Brown, someone lands on his ankle, and then there's a pick six. I just found myself yeah, just got being to, grumpy. Yeah. And it felt like the Patriots are a crappy 8-8 eight and eight team, and the Seahawks are just, for lack of a more eloquent term, just effing around and let, letting them hang around with this group. I just was grumpy. I didn't enjoy it like I did week one. Well, By the way, they were tied like 14-14. Like, well, okay, what am well, I grumpy okay, about? Well,
0: well, think about it this way. And I, I used to do this on the radio show all the time. How games, even blowout games, close games, blowout games, they really teeter on a few plays. So this is the captain, this is captain obvious, but I'll say it. At halftime, what was the score? Was it 21 21? No, it was 14 to 14 at halftime. Okay. okay? If two Seahawks players in the first half, two Seahawks players, Two grown men, two professional Seahawks players. One, a guy who gets paid to catch the ball and has caught it well enough to maybe be in the Hall of Fame someday, okay? okay. And the other one who defends, who defends receivers but actually grew up as a wide receiver in college. So they, yeah. they know how to catch the ball. Sure. If two guys on the Seahawks actually catch balls that are right in their hands, not hard catches, right in their hands, Yeah. The two guys I mean, Greg Olson yeah. and Quentin Dunbar, oh, yeah. at halftime, if you just change those two plays, it's 14-14 as it was. Yeah. You change those two plays. What's the score at halftime? Well, well, Dunbar's is a pick six. Yep. Okay, so that's 21. That's, that's, that's a walk-in touchdown. Yeah. And Olson, if he catches the ball, you don't give up seven there. And the way that offense was going, they were probably going down the field. <laughs> right. I mean, that game could have been. That game was two professional men, ball in their hands, away from like twenty-one seven, 24-10. I mean, they were two touchdowns up going into the into the second half. If you changed those two plays, all right. Well, that would have felt a lot better. Now, but would you felt wouldn't have been grumpy then. That <laughs> sure wouldn't have been. But as it were, even with the fourteen fourteen tie, they come out. And they take a 10-point a lead, a two-score two, a two score lead yeah. on the last touchdown throw. Yeah, I was feeling good. It, just something about it. it. Just felt like they were just letting these guys hang around. And
1: I bet you New England's going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. They, they don't look good to me. They don't look like a good team. And it was really
0: annoying me that they couldn't just put them away. I was grumpy. I think they'll be better than 8-8, eight and eight, but not much. Okay. Okay, that's the first thing I'll, I'll say. I think they'll be better than 8-8. Eight and eight. I think if Cam Newton plays this season the way he played on Sunday night against the Seahawks, I think they'll be better than 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they're well-coached, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, I think that they have—you know, by the way, that defense that the Seahawks shredded and scored literally every time and probably could have scored every time they touched the ball, that defense was ranked by pro football focus— as the fourth best defense in the NFL.
1: Wow, is that right? Yeah. I know they got the
0: defensive MVP on it. They kept talking about that. And DK Metcalf beat him, too. Yeah. Yeah. And my son, Max, turns to me in the middle of the game and he says something interesting after DK Metcalf makes another play or whatever. He says, is it silly of me to say that DK Metcalf reminds me of a certain Detroit Lions wide receiver from a few years ago? Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. You know who he's referring to? Calvin Johnson? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a good Megatron.
1: Yeah. One of the greatest
0: wide receivers of all time. Big and strapping. Muscular. And and tough to stop. Is DK Metcalf a poor man's Megatron?
1: Wow. Maybe Maybe. not even a poor man's. Who knows? That's a good question.
0: Someday. So I I, I don't know. I don't know what the Patriots are going to be. Did they let him hang around? Look, when you've got a defense that can't stop anybody, this is what you deal with. Yeah. You deal with shootouts. You deal with games that you should win going away. That you can't put a team away because your defense can't stop it. They've got to be better defensively. I was They've even got to be better defensively. I
1: was less impressed with Cam Newton than you were. I mean, the, really, the, the throws that Cam Newton made, uh, most of them, he had five, six seconds. Any quarterback worth their weight in this league could make those throws. The few times he did get sort of harassed or pressured, he would just airmail it, or he it would just be a bad pass. He, he really didn't impress me nah. that much. If he gets, if he gets a little pressure, he's easy to rattle. I was not that okay. that impressed with him. Okay, but. But the Seahawks didn't do it. But I'm I'm just saying, wait till he plays a team who can actually get a pass rush.
0: I don't know. He threw for 400 yards. He He made some good throws. He did have a lot of time. He made some good running plays. He scored touchdowns. Was he not their MVP? He had to have been their MVP. Yes, he is, yeah. I mean, look, no one dislikes Cam Newton more than I dislike Cam Newton. Yeah. So the fact that I'm like... (laughs) Kind of defending him? (laughs) I'm defending him a little bit. I don't know. Somebody tweeted me and said, "What
1: do you think about this? With it? let's say, God forbid, Marquise Blair's out for the year. Yeah, does Earl Thomas
0: get a call? No, really. Stop. No chance. No, ch- I, I can't believe there's a chance. Okay, no. no. Marquise it, Blair is not even a starting safety on this team. Well, but he's a nickel. He's a nickel guy. What if
1: Earl came and said, will 'I'll I'll do whatever you want, Coach. I'll be no, a nickel.' No, no. Okay, all right. No, but when they were down two safeties, I know one was thrown out for a penalty. You
0: know, you're thinking about who can we call? I've been surprised before with Marshawn coming back. I was surprised before. I guess Earl (laughs) Thomas could come back, but I can't believe that Earl Thomas is going to be brought back as a as an extra safety.
1: All right. Maybe. Start out th- I don't know. Did the sound bother you at all at the stadium? Because we, we talked about it in week one where I didn't really notice it. In ga- it didn't bother me. This week it bothered me. Did, did you
0: get bothered? St- what, what what stadium sound? Like the the piped-in crowd noise? Correct. Is that in stadium or is that just on TV? I don't even know. I think it's in stadium because they said you can only go to like 70 or yeah 70 decibels. I don't know if it bothered me. It just it fools me because I I, I forget that there's no fans there after a while. Yeah. Well, he, he, it fools
1: me. Whoever was doing it, that person was a little late sometimes, <laughs> a little late to the cheers, and then he would, oh. or he or she, who knows? But and yeah. then I would hear some more noise after the play because they were late. Yeah. And normally I we, wasn't. I, you know. But, th- but normally when you hear that, that's because uh, the crowd can see a penalty flag came in late, and it was freaking me out.
0: I've got Rush Limbaugh's hearing. Yeah. Typically, I don't really listen. I don't don't know that I could even notice that. Yeah, it was weird.
1: They were a little slow on it. Okay. All right.
0: right. Uh, I I will say this as we finish up this segment. We have three good guests. We've got Brady Henderson who was there to uh, pick up the pieces. Maybe he can give us an update on injuries, on how bad the Bruce Irvin, how bad the – who else got hurt besides Bruce Irvin? We're just talking about – we're just talking about – Oh, um, Marquise Marquise Blair. Marquise Blair.
1: Maybe the guy was right about Sundays. Maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm <laughs> but tired. it
1: is hard to come in here after trying to just absorb everything. And then yeah. I, I literally got in my car right when the game ended. I just, right. So it's like we're trying to trying to absorb and process all this. We are trying yeah.
0: to. We tra- Yes. We Maybe we can get some updates on injuries and so forth from Brady Henderson. And Rick Neuheisel will give you his thoughts on what the, the Pac-12 is going to do on Thursday, what the uh, the Big Ten already did. And it looks like we're going to have a national championship playoff picture after all. I contend it should be... It should be expanded this year. The one thing I will say is, and we have time to think about this: the Seahawks are two and zero. They're two and zero. They are. We feel good. Yep. Hopefully, the injuries aren't so bad. They were able to get through the Patriots game. The quarterback is superhuman again. I will. I, I, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try not to consider how this defense is going to stop the Dallas Cowboys when they come in on Sunday with Dak Prescott playing well, Zeke Elliott running around the offensive line doing well, like three or four really good receivers, some good tight ends, probably the most dynamic, Uh. if not the most dynamic, one of the most dynamic offenses, maybe outside of Kansas City, a little Baltimore, whatever. The Dallas Cowboys have about as dynamic an offense as you're going to find. Multi-layered, complicated. I'm going to try not to obsess about how in the world is the (laughs) defense that we just saw against the New England Patriots with Cam Newton and no receivers I've ever heard of. Going to do against the Dallas Cowboys oh. offense.
1: By the way, on the way over to
0: your house. They, may need, they might need to score 60. <laughs> really? <laughs> First to 60 wins.
1: All right, good. Yeah. Can you imagine how loud that stadium would have been on that last play yeah, of yeah. the game? Yeah, it that's loud. all I kept thinking about. Yeah. And then when they. When how they, about after when they stopped them, too? Well, I mean, yeah, the whole. I mean, uh, yeah. when they went up 21 17, I've been to so many games, I know that. Now that's when they start ramping up. They got the lead finally. They feel like they got some momentum. That crowd would have been all over. Just remember, there's Ah.
0: there's nothing in the NFL that takes the starch out of a good crowd like a bad defense. Oh, yeah. Bad defenses have a way of neutralizing everybody's home field. I'm telling you. After the seventh time of screaming, you're like, what am I yelling for these guys for? I hate to do it because people get mad at me to do it. But I'm just telling you, just go back to the 1980s in the Orange Bowl. Okay. When they had Dan Marino, oh, the greatest yeah. young quarterback and they couldn't stop anybody and used to get really loud in the Orange Bowl, nothing <laughs> nothing took us out of the game yeah. than the than the terrible Dolphins defenses of the 80s. The Killer Bees weren't doing it back then. No, they were overrated.
1: Is that right? Oh my god. Yeah, when it's oh, when god. it's when it's 4th and 15 and you lose a player because of an illegal hit, they and, get a first down.
0: And and oh, and and, god. And, by, and by the way, the single most frustrating thing as a Seahawks fan, yeah. as a fan of a team that doesn't get heat on the quarterback, is when that rare occasion oh, hits. I know what you're going to say. And either Jamal Adams oh. comes straight up the middle on a third down, or Benson Mayoa comes free, oh. and you have him dead to rights. Dead to rights. A free shot, yeah. at, and the quarterback just shrugs you off, and then rolls out and throws for 15 yards in a first down. The absolute th- th- worst. That's got to be, <laughs> that's when I start looking, I literally start looking up ballets at that <laughs> right. point. If there's a ballet, I can stream. Right. Mikhail Baryshnikov. Oh. I know. There's got to be a dancer, little Yitzhak Proman on the violin. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to spend a Sunday evening than to watch a team that can't rush the quarterback, but then gets a free shot at him, only to let him get, Get get away and then throw a... Fr- now I know what a lot of Seahawks fans should say, which is, we've our quarterback's been doing that for years. True. So what's yeah. good for the goose is good for the gander. Right. Whatever that expression ever meant. Cam Newton is more difficult yeah. to tackle
1: and take down than say yeah, Matt is. Ryan. So, but Jamal Adams had a free, and I was like,
0: so did Ben Mayoa.
1: But didn't you want to see Jamal Adams the full head of steam, just stick it to Cam Newton, and just brushed him
0: off like a little kid, beat and, it. And what's funny about oh. that is. They could brush you off and then throw an incom- incomplete pass so you're not, you don't feel terrible about it. Yeah, that'd be nice. But it never happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because after they brush you off, they then throw for 25 yards on a first down. You live and die by that safety blitz. Yeah.
1: Torture. Ballet. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm in. You tell me when. What's the name of the theater? The Benaroyal
0: Hall. Yeah, Benaroyal There's gotta Hall. There's got to be something going on there that brings me less stress than the Seattle Seahawks. Episode 109. Here we are back on the Zeke's Pizza hotline with, of all people, the president of Zeke's Pizza, my friend Dan Black. A lot of good weather, hopefully more to come here in September. Dan, how are we doing at the 17 locations of Zeke's Pizza?
2: Uh, it's been great. The weather has been awesome, and the further that summer's got along, the busier we've got. There's been more people out and about eating on the patios, ordering beer to take on hikes with them, stuff like that. So, yeah, summer's uh, has been great.
0: And you've noticed a little bit of a difference daytime deliveries. People are getting back into the office again. Yeah, surprisingly enough, a
2: couple of weeks ago, we started to get catering orders, which, you know, that business, we, you and I talked about it, it, dropped off as COVID hit, dropped off a cliff. But the past couple of weeks, there's been fairly steady increase in orders. And so, yeah, people are starting to go back to the office a little bit. It's not a ton, but downtown's more active. Mm-hmm. Downtown Bellevue is more active people are evidently going to the office a little bit, so that's good for us.
0: You guys have always been known for your craft beer selection. Still sending lots of it home to people? Yeah,
2: most popular thing we have going right now is our Crowlers, which is draft beer that you can get in a can that you can recycle. Crowlers have always been popular for us since we could start delivering those, and as they got really popular, people love draft beer, but dealing with the glasses, the growler glass can be difficult. And so being able to put it in a can where the beer can last up to three or four weeks in it, plus you can recycle it. So as those have come in, those those have become really popular.
0: By the way, I don't know that I've ever asked you this. What's the Black Family's go-to pizza pie and beer selection. I'm assuming it's not cheese pizza like my mother, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: we like cheese pizza. Um, but, you know, we, we eat enough Zeke's that we tend to focus on the specials that we have going at any given time. And uh, right now we have these great summer pies, we, heirloom tomato pizzas. We found a farm out in Fall City called Steel Wheel that supplies us with these incredible tomatoes this time of year. And so we've been ordering the Mountain Baked BLT, which is uh, the heirloom tomatoes, bacon, Asiago cheese, arugula, olive oil glaze. It's super tasty, super fresh, super summery tasting. And then our go-to beers are, are our two flagships. So we order a lot of Zeke and Destroy and a lot of Hop Tropic. And like say, we've been doing those in Crowlers. And, you know, those are both incredible beers.
0: So download the Zeke's Pizza app. You can order online, of course, or an old-fashioned call. What's the, what's the number of the call center again, Dan?
2: and that'll work. You know, all over Seattle, Tacoma, basically anywhere we have a Zeke's, that number works. we got incredible call center staff that makes it super easy, especially if you have a complicated order. Most of the orders come in electronically at this point, but the number works great.
0: Zeke's Pizza, my partner, Zeke's Pizza Hotline, homegrown in the Northwest.
2: Unfiltered. As Wilson retreats play fake, and that's going to be intercepted, tipped and kicked off, and the Patriots will take the early lead. Devin McCourty. Wilson, as he throws deep
0: downfield, it's going to be caught by Metcalf for the touchdown.
2: Wilson goes the
3: other way.
4: to win the game. Uh, for our guys to hang all the way to the end and uh, have to go all the way down to two seconds and no time left on the clock and the whole thing, last play of the game, is, uh, it's an extraordinary moment for football players and, and for a team. And uh, you know, you either come through, or you don't. And there's so much intensity in that moment and, and uh, the, the guys on the field will never forget it.
0: Taco Time Northwest and the Taco Time app brings you our weekly chat with ESPN Seahawks insider Brady Henderson. Don't dare forget to order ahead the next time you've got a craving for Taco Time. Couple of clicks and your meal will be awaiting you at the location of your choice. Here's Brady Henderson. Brady, what's it like to cover an empty Sunday night football game that would have been bonkers if the 12th man were allowed to be there.
5: It was every bit as bizarre as you would imagine. I'm just sitting out there um, looking at two teams on the field and completely empty stands and it's it was almost eerie and I was just thinking after that goal line stand, you know, what a shame it is. Obviously we all understand why there are no fans in the stadium, but what, what a shame that there were no fans there for that final play because I could just imagine Central <laughs> Field would have been shaking. I, I I've been in that press box and felt it shake before and I can guarantee you it would have been the same thing after that final goal line stand when LJ Collier and Landl Hill stopped Ken Newton. So, uh, every time these teams play it seems like it comes down to a dramatic finish, 2012 Wilson's rookie season. You had the late touchdown pass to Sidney Rice. Of course, we all know what happened in the Super Bowl in 2014. It's 2016, there was that goal line fade uh, from Tom Brady that Cam Chancellor defended uh, against Rob Gronkowski. And again, what happened Sunday night? So, always drama when these two teams play.
0: Yeah, it's too bad we have to wait, I guess, four more years unless they meet in the Super Bowl. There's lots of ways to look at this one. A, a brilliant offensive explosion, and another example of evidence that the Seahawks offense will be one of the most consistently explosive units in the NFL, Brady. Or B, a defense that made you sweat to the final play against Cam Newton and a group of wide receivers that no one's ever heard of outside of Julian Edelman. Uh, how do you view this one?
5: Yeah, it was both. They you know, they needed Russell Wilson to be as brilliant as he was and you know, the Patriots do not have what you would consider to be an explosive group of weapons. And yet there was Julian Edelman running by Jamal Adams uh, on that big play. I I think it was in the third quarter, that big completion. It was one of the plays that helped, you know, help the Patriots get back into that game and a lack of pressure on Cam Newton was another thing that really stood out. And that was obviously a big talking point going into the season. And it seems like for the first two games, it's been a realization of what you know the biggest fear that a lot of people had about this defense's ability to get pressure. But that said, they made plays. They haven't got enough pressure, but they've made enough plays. Obviously the goal line stand, but also that Quentin Dunbar pick, that was a significant turning point in that game, uh, or a game-changing play in that game. And one of the reasons why, the, the main reason why they traded for Quentin Dunbar, they loved his ball skills, and they just had simply not gotten enough takeaways out of their cornerbacks in the post-Richard Sherman era. You know, Shaquille Griffin has been good, hasn't taken the ball away. Trey Flowers, uh, same thing. They have not gotten enough interceptions. They got their first one from Quentin Dunbar, and it was a big play and obviously a play that they needed with New England coming back in that game. And
0: just think, had Quentin Dunbar held on to the first one, that was a pick six. It could have been It could have been a pick six. It could have been two interceptions for the guy in his second game, right?
5: It could have been. And, and the other what if and that is remember Trey Flowers for whatever reason was in on that defensive series and he comes out yes. with a, what it looked like a hand injury so you wonder would Dunbar have been in? Would he have been on the sideline or would he have been in on that play where he jumped that out route and would, would Trey Flowers have jumped that same out route uh, and made that interception? So it's a pretty fascinating what if for the Seahawks.
0: Alright, an awful day in the NFL with Brady Henderson ESPN Seahawks insider brought to you by taco time in the taco time northwest app uh, order ahead a terrible day in the NFL as far as injuries go we record this with you still at the stadium Marquise Blair it looked serious Bruce Irvin got hurt you just mentioned Trey Flowers how much can you tell us with the week just starting out on the injury front for the Seahawks Brady
5: Yeah, we don't know anything about Trey Flowers because we didn't hear anything about him post-game. The word from Pete Carroll on Irvin was that it's a sprained knee. I did not see him go back into the game, uh, but Pete Carroll said that he was walking around in the locker room post-game. And then with Blair, I mean, you saw the replay. It looked bad and it sounds bad based on the way that Pete Carroll has described it. He said that they're going to have to wait for an MRI to know the exact severity of it, but Carroll pretty much said that it, it looks fairly serious, or it's probably fairly serious, given that he had to be helped off the field. So that is obviously a big blow for a team that was really counting on Blair to take a big step in his second year, and a guy who you know, was one of the, the training camp standouts with the way that he had made that strong transition to Nickelback, a position that he had not played until this season. So that's going to be a big loss for them for however long they're going to be without him. And the way that it looks, it sounds, it could be a while.
0: Amadi played well, though, on Sunday night in the pickup role, right? He did. Eight tackles, I believe. One tackle for loss. Was in on a
5: lot of plays. And, you know, just it, it just goes to show um, how quickly or how, how easily this game could have gone differently and how easily... A lot of these conversations that we're having right now could be so different you know he was in coverage on i believe julian edelman on one of those goal line plays where cam newton you know just overthrew him and it looked like edelman was open but cam newton overthrew him and so we could very easily be talking uh you know about ugo Amadi, you know giving up one of the um, you know maybe the, the the game-winning play for cam newton and the patriots but that ball was overthrown and so we're talking about all the other plays that he made and he he was he was battling Blair for that nickelback job, and it was pretty clearly that Blair, basically early in training camp, it was clear that Blair was winning that job, but I always thought all along that there were going to be times where they would use Amadi in that role just because he is more of a traditionally built nickelback, so he's going to be a better matchup for the traditionally built slot receivers, whereas Blair would have been a good matchup for those bigger wide receivers or the athletic tight ends. But with Blair out, they're going to have to count on Amati in that role full-time.
0: Let's go back to the positives on offense. I know that you've got some research, some, some data to throw at us. This was the fourth-ranked defense by pro football focus. I'm talking about the Patriots. And the Seahawks have their way. It almost seemed like the only time they got stopped, they stopped themselves with some penalties, some holdings, some false starts. They did whatever they wanted. They were great through the air. Obviously, Russell Wilson is off to an unbelievable start. They were very good on the ground. I don't even know whether you can consider what they did, letting Russell... You know what? I don't want to say the word. Uh, how do you view the offense, and what kind of stats do you have to throw at us?
5: Yeah, they let him cook, and I really thought that this would be a game where they might revert back to their usual establish-the-run MO, and I say that because Brian Schottenheimer has said several times that the amount that they let Russell throw the ball early in games is going to depend a lot on the matchups. And really, if you look at this matchup, I thought that it might not dictate a lot of throwing early because the strength of the Patriots defense is that secondary with Stephon Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, they've got other talented players in that secondary. So I thought you could see the Seahawks come out running the ball and what do I know? They came out throwing or dropping back to pass, I should say on 21 of 34 of their first half offensive plays. That was after dropping back on 18 of 25 first half offensive plays last week. So they let him cook again and Pete Carroll was Especially happy to, to uh, see the stat sheet afterwards because it noted that the Seahawks also ran the ran for 154 yards, and that's really the balance that he wants. You know, he he doesn't like to, to throw the ball a lot early in games because he wants to establish run because he wants to end up with a ton of rushing yards to balance out that that run-pass ratio. So throwing the ball as much as they did. In this game, they still ended up with 154 rushing yards, which is exactly what Pete Carroll is looking for.
0: I thought you and I agreed we weren't going to use the C word. We're listening to Brady (laughs) Henderson, ESPN, Seahawks Insider. It's brought to you by Taco Time Northwest and the Taco Time app. Order ahead on the Taco Time app. Okay, the defense just wasn't good, not a lot of pressure. They got a couple of chances. And Cam Newton got out of it a couple of times. Interesting enough that on the final play, I think everybody in the world knew exactly what play they were going to run. They knew exactly where, which direction they were going to run. It was L.J. Collier and Lano Hill, right? Lano Hill and L.J. Collier, unlikely candidates to be heroes on that last play.
5: Yeah, well, and you said everybody in the world knew what direction they were going to go. I don't think that's the case because Jamal Adams told us afterwards that he, he was planning on doing one of those Troy Polamalu leaps over the line of scrimmage because in his mind he thought Cam Newton was going to set up and shotgun and then all of a sudden rush up under center, take the snap, and try to fall forward into the end zone. And then Jamal Adams told us that as soon as he saw them line up, He realized that wasn't going to be the case. And he also told us that Bobby Wagner, LJ Collier, said the same thing, that Bobby Wagner told them in the huddle that it was going to be a Cam Newton run to the defense's right. And you saw, if you watch the replay, you'll see before that play, Pete Carroll pulling Bobby Wagner aside and having this this conversation with him. And you just imagine that he's telling Wagner the same thing. Pete Carroll told us post-game that, you know, we asked him if he thought that that play was coming, and he said they did, and they took a shot, you know, figuring it was going to be something similar to what Carolina, to what New England, I should say, had done on those first two Newton touchdown runs. So they had a feeling... They knew what was coming. There was some confusion as to where it would be, but I think everybody, you're right, everybody knew it was going to be a Cam Newton run. It was just a matter of what style of run that would have been, and LJ Collier and Lano Hill, two guys that have heard their share of criticism from Seahawks fans, they were the ones that came up with that big play at the end. All
0: right, the Seahawks are 2-0. and oh. Just where we wanted him to be. The Niners are in disarray uh, because of injuries. The Rams and Cardinals are off to great starts in the NFC West. How is a Seahawks defense that can't stop Cam Newton through the air with unknown wide receivers not named Edelman, how is that same Seahawks defense this weekend going to handle Dak and Zeke and all the wide receivers that the Cowboys are going to throw at him? That's going to be a tough pill for the Seahawks defense, no?
5: Especially if Bruce Irvin has to miss time with that sprained knee. Yeah. And th- this was not, look, you're going to see teams struggle to bring down Cam Noon. You saw the Seahawks look like they had him, you know, in the grasp for a sack and he bounces off them. That's going to happen. But the fact is, they still only had, I'm looking at the stat sheet right now, and they only had five official quarterback hits on him. So they just weren't giving themselves enough chances to get there. Their only sack, again, was on a Jamal Adams blitz, and you would like Jamal Adams blitzing to be a luxury. It's really been more of a necessity just because they have not been able to get enough pressure. And Pete Carroll made a comment post-game and said that they need to get more creative with the way that that they use those guys. So there is some acknowledgement from the coaching staff that they could do a better job of putting those guys in a better position. Whatever it is, whether it's guys playing better, whether it's the coaching staff, doing you know mixing things up to try to create more pressure maybe it's blitzing more with Jamal Adams whatever it is They've got to do something because that five quarterback hits in only one sack, that's just not going to get it done.
0: Terrific, Brady Henderson. Read all of his work on ESPN and ESPN.com. He's the Seahawks insider, and you'll hear him again, by the way, this week if you're a patron. We've got the Seahawks no table with Joe Fan, Brady Henderson, and myself as we continue to wrap up the Patriots game and look ahead to the Dallas Cowboys. Brady, thanks so much for all your hard work, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Mitch. There he is, ESPN Seahawks insider Brady Henderson. And by the way, for patrons new this year, the Seahawks no table on Fridays with Brady Henderson and NBC Sports Northwest's Joe Fan and myself. We talk Seahawks football, a special segment for patrons on Friday. And there's your complete wrap-up of the Sunday nighter versus New England. Next up, how about them Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys here at CenturyLink Field? It's just terrific to have Fireside Home Solutions along for the football season again on Mitch Unfiltered. John Waterstrat is the president, the owner, the grand poobah. Call him what you will. John, for our listeners who don't know what Fireside Home Solutions is, just give us a rough
6: overview on what is it that you guys do. Well, Fireside's been in business since uh, 1985, and uh, we've been providing fireplaces here in the Pacific Northwest for that time. And uh, what we like to tell people about Fireside is not only do we provide the products, but we provide the services that uh, allows you to professionally install your fireplace as well as service your fireplace. So we think those are important steps in uh, getting a great product in your home and being able to take care of it from the very first part of the sale all the way to the life of the fireplace. Yeah,
0: and football season, as I said all year last year with you guys, football season is fireplace season, but... We should mention fireplaces are not the only thing that you guys
6: do. Yes, in the last couple of years, we brought on the uh, garage door category into our business. Uh, Seems a little bit strange that fireplaces and garage doors go together. But uh, as we transform living rooms, family rooms, those gathering spaces in your home, we also believe the uh, garage door does a lot of aesthetic appeal to your home doing a transformation on the front of your home. So again, same as the fireplaces, we provide all the way from the sales to the life of your garage door, and we service that as long as you need us to. And so people are
0: listening right now thinking, you know what, he makes a lot of sense. Mitch makes a lot of sense. Let's look into a new fireplace. Where would you have them turn first?
6: I'd first have them go to our website at firesidehomesolutions.com. There you can find any of the convenient showrooms that uh, fit your need. You can come into our Bellevue Kent showroom. There's others, also there's one in Puyallup as well. If that's not doesn't work for you and you need timing, we can come to you. So just call one of the convenience stores. An in-home person can come out and set up with you a time that works for you and we'll do all the proposals in your home.
0: There's no bigger Seahawks fan, by the way, than John Waterstrat. So before you go, give me the record. What's the Seahawks' record going to be in 2020?
6: Uh, I think they're headed to another 11-win season okay. and okay. getting into the playoffs and making a lot more noise than last year.
0: boy, Fireside Home Solutions and firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered.
1: And it's Chuba Hubbard in the end zone for the first
3: Oklahoma State touchdown of the season and their first lead. Second down. Mitchell to the edge at the 10, at the 5, and the raging Cajuns move to 2-0. Harris has the edge. Big belly accelerates down the sidelines to midfield. It's a foot race. And the angle of out. 75 yards. That is how you answer.
0: All righty. Episode 109 continues with my friend Rick Neuheisel. Another football-related interview presented by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead. Just a few clicks and your meal will be waiting for you on the shelf just inside the front door of the location of your choice. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Rick Neuheisel, do we begin, coach, with the fact that just about every team, every ranked team won, except for Louisville and Appalachian State. Do we talk about your prediction? Do we start with Bryson DeChambeau changing the way golf is played at the U.S. Open? Where would you like to begin on episode one oh nine?
3: I think I think the story of the week is the, uh, the hesitation that we're feeling from our beloved Pac-12 conference. <laughs> they are now in the throes of dealing With the Big Ten's arrival to the 2020 football scene. And what say the Pac 12? To wait till Thursday for a meeting on this subject. I think says it all. As Marissa Tomei banged her foot in my (laughs) cousin Vinny, saying her her biological clock was ticking. The football clock is ticking as we are speaking, and I just think it's it's uh, it's outrageous. All right. Well, what do you listen? Yeah. Go ahead. I have no problem. I have no problem if they say we're not. We can't do it. We just don't believe it. The science in our mind says it's unsafe, and 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 take that route. But to wait till Thursday, if in fact they decide that they are going to go forward, is telling every kid that plays college football in the Pac-12 who would love to be back out there and competing for the big prizes that you know we've got more important things to think about for mm. these next next mm. few days. Mm. I, I don't understand it. So, Rick, the
0: Big Tw- the Big Ten changes its mind. We expect the Pac-12 to change its mind on Thursday. Are these conferences coming out with egg on their respective faces or have conditions in fact truly changed that legitimizes the change of course by these two conferences?
3: I I have no problem with the decisions that they made. And in particular with the Pac-12, we had a, what, a 14-page dossier that explained their reasons, right? Whether it was myocarditis or concern about how quickly kids could be tested, could it be done safely. We've had some some breakthroughs in that stuff. Game changers, as Larry Scott said. Mm -hmm. And so I understand it. But now that I've got two issues. One, they're waiting till Thursday to make the call while the clock is ticking. And two, that the coaches have pushed back and said they can't be ready for four, uh, six weeks. I, I know for a fact, Mitch, having done this with the Arizona Hotshots, you can be ready in three and a half weeks. Uh-huh. And by the way, you're only playing teams that are also only going to have the four weeks or whatever it is you determine. So what are we waiting for? Let's let these kids get back into the swing of things. And let's also not be shy about saying we're helping the ecosystem that is intercollegiate athletics, yeah. because it's not just football. It's about every sport that can really use the money that will be derived from being in a meaningful season.
0: So answer your own question. Why, if they can do this in three, three and a half weeks, why are they taking four to six to get revved up? There must be an answer to this question.
3: In my mind, and I've been thinking about this, this is the coaches being on a quasi-strike. I think they're really frustrated that they have been behind, it's seemingly, the car right behind the Big Ten all through this. I think they're upset. I think they wish they could have been playing. I think they've seen players walk out the door, whether they transfer to places that were playing, whether they're opting out. I think they're disappointed that there wasn't more in the way of leadership to get this done if, in fact, it can now be done.
0: What are we going to do with the unbalanced portfolios? Uh, First of all, how many games are the Big Ten going to play? How many games if the Pac-12 on Thursday says, let's do this? They're obviously both of those conferences are behind the eight ball. They started late. They'll play less games. And. Is it time for the powers to to listen to the clamoring of all the people saying, okay, if you were ever gonna expand to an eight-team playoff, this is the year to do it. Otherwise, you're gonna be looking at poor this committee, this poor committee is going to be looking at some teams with what, eight, nine, ten games, other teams with five or six games. How are they going to be able
3: to judge all that? I totally agree with that premise. This is a one-off kind of season. Like we've never seen, hopefully we'll never see again. Uh, but, Given that it's that bizarre in nature, let's think outside the box. Much like the Big Ten did when they just announced in their Big Ten playoff, their championship game, they're going to have a two versus two, three versus three, four versus four uh, weekend on that same uh, final uh, stanza for their respective conference. And remember, Ohio State went to the college football playoff as the number two team in the Big Ten East. Alabama went to the college football playoff as the number two team in the SEC West so that two versus two game could be really influential on a college football committee. This is the time to think outside the box. This is a time to get more teams in the college football playoff. And I hope those uh, folks will listen. Is this
0: really outside the box? I mean, we're talking about how many games, how many bowl games do they play on New Year's? They say, what, the New Year's Six or something like New that?
3: New Year's Day Six, yes. yeah, even though they're not played on New Year's Day. Okay. I think there's only three that are actually played on New Year's Day. Well, can't you just but, uh, play those but,
0: but, play those bowl games? You know, can't you take four of those places and
3: make them the sites of, of eight teams in the playoffs? Something like that? I, I, I lobby for, as you just pointed out, make them all playoff games. Twelve of them. Uh, Twelve teams getting in. That gives everybody who's resuming to play uh, their champion a shot at it. That includes the group of five. We've all longed for that Cinderella slipper to finally fit. Uh, UCF looked really good this last weekend against Georgia Tech. It'd be fun to have an American conference team get in, a Conference USA team, uh, team get in. You mentioned Appalachian State going down as a ranked team. They went down to Marshall. Marshall looked terrific in doing so. Uh, so this is this is the kind of thinking that I wish we could have on a one-off kind of season like this.
0: Right. What will it take for that to happen? Is it as simple as a few people getting into a room and saying, we want to do this? Or do they have to raise money from the TV networks? Uh, how complicated is it For whatever group and wherever they are, Indianapolis, wherever, Chicago, I don't know where they are, to decide, hey, this is a crazy season. We're going to put 12 teams, we're going to put eight teams in a playoff come New Year's Day or around New Year's Day.
3: My guess is that this would take a lot more than what you and I are imagining. It seems like common sense would rule the day, but we know how uncommon common sense is. I think this is a uh, television network uh, deal. I think they own, ESPN owns the college football playoff, and so so for anything like this to happen it would take their blessing and uh, I, I don't know that uh, they'd be willing to pay the freight for all of it and how much it would cost and all that kind of stuff so I think we're stuck with status quo
0: I guess it's another week where the news off the field that we're talking about dwarfs any game that was played was there anything else learned did anything else move you all these top 25 teams well most of them at least the big-name schools, all not only one, but one big, maybe with the exception of Oklahoma State. Anything kind of jump out at you that you'd like to share with our audience, Rick?
3: Trevor Lawrence was – the consummate quarterback once again eight for nine i know it was the citadel but when you're throwing the ball 50 60 yards down the field in stride it's the beautiful thing to watch and he did it again on saturday notre dame might have allayed some fears for those who were thinking they were devoid of wide receiver talent and, and worried that they might not be the challenger to clemson in the acc they beat south florida 52 to nothing i'm not sure if that's notre dame being that good but Uh, Sebo Flemister, a running back who didn't play in week one, obviously is a difference maker for them. That is a team to continue to watch Ian book and and the Irish. I love watching uh, the ACC games. You mentioned the Miami uh, Louisville game, and I know you want to get to that, but uh, I thought Wake Forest and North Carolina state played a great game, a 45, 42 thriller, the Wolfpack on top. So there, listen, we're in for some good games. Keep your fingers crossed if you're an Oklahoma State fan that Spencer Sanders, their fine quarterback who got hurt early in that game, will be able to get back into the action before it gets too deep into Big 12 action.
0: My one takeaway from the Miami-Louisville game is I saw that new turnover chain at the U and it looks like something that Rick <laughs> Neuheisel would wear on a night out with his wife in New York, right? Something something around your neck that no. looks like
3: that. <laughs> no. I would be I would be much like the running back who, who declined the opportunity <laughs> to wear the uh that for the offensive they have uh they have touchdown rings yes. that they, the gaudy uh, things to wear uh, over one's knuckles. And he said, no, give it to the offensive line. But uh, that would have been my move too. But uh, Derek King is the real deal. And and I love what's uh, going on at Miami. I think that's a really good football team and it's about time.
0: Let's take a look at the slate. I'm looking at a couple of top 25 matchups. I don't know. You don't have to do top 25 matchups. There's one in the SEC between Kentucky and Auburn. I see a an Army game. Do I see an Army top 25 matchup? I thought I did. Anyway, maybe I do. Yes, I do. Army and Cincinnati are going to play. There and a you t- go. T- and a top That's 20- a great game. Yeah, and a top 25 matchup. I've got Miami and Florida State, a renewal of a rivalry that as a kid, there was nothing quite like Miami and Florida State where I grew up. Where does Heisel go on his slate, on his week, whatever
3: it would be, week three or week four slate? Well, on CBS, yes. we get Mike Leach, the Pirate wearing his patch in the beloved SEC. We get uh, him traveling to Death Valley to play Ed Ogeron and the new look LSU Tigers, because everybody that you remember from a year ago is gone. But uh, that'll be an exciting game. I, I actually am going to have my eyes on that Cincinnati Army game. I want to see if Army's the real deal. Obviously, games against Louisiana, Monroe, and Middle Tennessee haven't challenged them as of yet. But Cincinnati is the real deal. And Luke Fickle... Along with the head coach at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier, those two guys are my one and two in terms of the hot group of five prospect to go to the Power Five. So Fickle gets a great uh, opportunity here to prove that he is, in fact, that guy. And I'm I'm going to pick the Bearcats in that game. Okay, Desmond Ritter, their fine quarterback, is uh, fun to watch.
0: Okay, and you suspect that we will hear what from the Pac-12 on Thursday afternoon. Thursday evening. Obviously, they're going to cite this this new rapid results testing that they've partnered with, I don't know in California somewhere. You expect that they're going to start back up in October, correct?
3: I believe they will start back up with an eye towards either October 31st or November 7th. And my fear is it's going to be November 7th, which will make it more difficult for the committee to weigh their candidacy.
0: Uh, do you have any comments about Bryson
3: DeChambeau? You're a golfer. You probably hey, you probably have played Winged Foot, is my we guess. We have to we have to admire what was a brilliant round of golf. He was the only guy to break par today. It was he was the only one to break par in the entire event, and he went out to do it differently. He went out to build his body. He went out to just say, I'm going to hit it as far and as hard as I possibly can. There are those of us who would call ourselves, you know, traditionalists that would say that's not how you do it. You know, we look for more grace in the golf swing and so forth. But uh, power is as power does. And power was the winner today at Wingfoot.
0: You know, I don't know if I'm a traditionalist or a purist, but here here's my view of it as a fan. Why I find it a little bit. Nah. It doesn't doesn't sit great with me as a fan because as a fan of golf, I love watching the majors, right? Right. And and every major of my lifetime posed different challenges. We We see at Augusta National where power and putting is a part of the story. We see the U.S. Open where the USGA makes precision so important. you got to be accurate. It's not a premium on being long. And then you get the British Open where creativity and bumps and runs. I mean, there's just a different set of qualifications for each of these majors which bring out the best in a lot of diverse group of players. What I saw over the last four days is Bryson DeChambeau play the U.S. Open like Tiger played in his heyday Augusta National, Uh, like Jack Nicklaus played Augusta National. And I just, as a fan, would love to see each of the majors identify different strengths with regards to these players.
3: I agree with that. I agree with that. And, And recall that Augusta had a response. They Tigerized course, right? They backed things up and made sure that uh, that wasn't going to happen again. Listen, I think Wingfoot did everything they could to make this as brutal as they could and and all but one uh, succumbed to it, right? The course beat them. Uh, But DeChambeau was brilliant today and uh, you got to tip your cat.
0: Rick Neuheisel brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app reminding you to always order ahead. Very, very convenient. We do it all the time. Thank you, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this.
3: Look forward to it, Mitch. Take care, bud.
0: My man Rick Neuheisel and the somewhat sudden turn towards football in all major conferences Thursday will be a big day for the near future of the Pac-12. We may have a true national champion after all. How about that? It's great to be joined again by the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage, and in particular, Jordan Flowers. Jordan, welcome. What's going on over there at the Kirkland office?
4: Hey, Mitch. Great to be back on. It is incredibly busy times right now, but we are talking and serving lots of clients. It's amazing. Um, everybody that's reached out from the podcast, uh, you've got the best fan base, I think, probably alive. Ah, Nicest people you've ever met. Nice,
0: nice of you to say that. The, the mortgage business, not just Guild, but the mortgage business in general is very hot. What kind of numbers are we talking about in uh, in 30-year fix these days?
4: Yeah, you're still seeing 30-year fixed rates in the upper twos on rate term refinances, uh, depending on cash out, whatever, you're still getting into the high twos, low threes in a lot of scenarios, so... Amazing time.
0: So if I'm if I'm looking at my 30 year fix, my current 30 year fixed, and I see what number it pays to at least make a phone call to you guys for five or ten minutes to see how much money I can save. What's the number I'm looking for?
4: If you've got a 30 year fixed rate over three and a quarter to three and a half, it's worth a call to see what we could get you down to, or even shortening your your term on a new refinance. And the best way to reach Jordan Flowers and Guild Mortgage direct office line is four two five. and cell phone 425-890-2957
0: you owe it to yourself to take a look take a look at your numbers see if you could be saving your family money each and every month where would I be where would Mitch Unfiltered be without the great sponsors and support like the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage
4: Unfiltered Unfiltered
3: Jambo is indeed a U.S. Open champion.
5: As difficult as this golf course was presented, I, I played it beautifully. Even when I got in the rough, I was still able to manage my game and hit it to correct sides of the greens except on 14 today and kept plugging away.
0: Look, I know that football is ruling the weekends these days. But we need to chat about U.S. Open golf for a few minutes here on episode 109. Bryson DeChambeau, not my fave, redefining the way the game is being played. I'm dying to know what our buddy Ken Green thinks of all this. Ken, one of the colorful sports characters in the 1980s in the world of golf, and a hell of a player, too. Member of the Ryder Cup team, winner of some tournaments. How are you, buddy? I'm doing real well. How are you doing? We're doing okay. 23. If I had told you back in the 1980s, when you may have gone to winged foot, that 23 out of 56 fairways over four days is going to be enough for a six-shot win at six-under par, you would have said what to me, Kenny?
7: I would have Called you an idiot. There's no other way around it. It's just, you know, whether you like it or not, it's a new, it's a new world. And I'm of the old school. I, I think what's happening to golf is just wrong.
0: What do you think of him? And what do you think of the way he goes about his business?
7: I, I want to clarify what I'm about to say because I don't know him as a person. I'm only, what I say is only about what he presents to us. One, I think he's a pompous ass. I don't think he understands how slow he is and how bad that is for the game of golf. I know it's a me-me world we live in now, but he's clearly got his own way, and he doesn't care about what other people think, which is fine. I get that. But in my view, you have to make sure when you think your own way, you have to make sure you're not affecting others, and that's the only the only thing that I'm disappointed in him with.
0: What do you, what do you mean by that? Where have you seen him affect, affecting others, do you think?
7: Well, in, in terms of the slow play, you know, it, it's, he, he swears up and down. He's not slow. You know, so it's like, are you that naive or you just refuse to see the truth? Now, unfortunately, most of the golfers today are very slow, so they don't seem to care that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bryson would have, been, would have been kicked off the tour in my era for having the attitude of, I'm not slow, screw you. It's just unfortunate. Now, in his defense, you know, he's about to revolutionize the game of golf in the sense that there's been numerous golfers that have bulked up and never gotten as much speed or hit the ball that much farther. So, clearly, it's the way he swings. It's his style of swing. It can be called that a modern-day version of Mo Norman, you know, his irons are all the same length, et cetera. And that creates more club head speed. And you're going to see more young people start developing that golf swing because it's going to get you that extra 30 yards in the air. And what are we going to do? You know, there's nothing you can do. You can't blame young kids that are going to start playing the game of golf. If they can find a way to, to add 30, 40 yards – You're going to
0: do it. Is this you and me being traditionalists and kind of old farts, get off our lawn farts, or do we have a valid stance? What I have said over and over again to anybody who was asked is what I don't like about what happened over the last four days is this. I'm a fan of the game. I play the game. I'm not particularly great at it, but I play it, and I'm a fan of watching the majors. And what I've loved for the 53 years that I've been on this earth, Kenny, is that each of the majors – calls upon certain traits, different traits. And those guys that are able to win them all are the really, really special people. Like at Augusta National, you got to be a great putter. And back in the day, you could use power to overpower Augusta National at times, those par fives. The U.S. Open, completely different. Precision, you got to be an accurate driver of the golf ball. Otherwise, you can't succeed there. The, The Open Championship, the British Open Championship is something a lot different. Creativity, bumps and runs, and being able to get up and down. I don't know about the PGA, but you get my drift. Each one of them completely different. And what, and what Bryson DeChambeau did over four days at Wingfoot was he played, I don't know, he played the U.S. Open like he'd play the Masters and was successful at it, which now runs them together in my mind.
7: Up to now, in order for a player to, to be able to win each one, clearly indicated that they were just all around stud muffins, right? You know, you know, the Jacks and the Tigers, and then you can go down to, you know, the other few guys that have won them all, you know, whether it's Saracen or player or guys that have catered to a certain guy, Bubba Watson is not going to win anything, but the masters, you know, it just doesn't happen, you know, and that's just how it works. Is it that, that venue sets up perfect for him? What's going to happen? I mean, you know, how is the USJ going to handle this? What are they going to come up with when they go to the U S open next year? at Torrey pines. Yes. Now Torrey pines is usually a a beast of a golf course, but they're much wider fairways when they had the open there in 08, much wider fairways. Well, are they going to say, let's narrow them up, but that's not going to do you any good because Bryson and other guys are just going to go for bang, bang, you know? So they really have to sit down and and come up with a strategy of, of how are we going to get driving the golf ball? back in the game. So that was one of our, you know, our mantra. You had to drive the ball and be smart. Now you don't have to do either. Do you have, ex- so, you know, what, what would they do?
0: Tell us about your experiences. If you have some at winged foot, I'm assuming you might've been there. When did they play when fuzzy one? I don't know whatever year that was. And, and uh, what does it mean to you that a guy shoots six under par on that track over four days?
7: You couldn't do it. Back when Fuzzy, I believe in 84, and Norman, they were the only two under par, and they were both four under, and and they were aided by some, some rain. Two complaints that I would make about the USGA is they set up the pins too easy because I think on Thursday, I think they were afraid of the course being too hard, and they softened up the greens. I've never seen a US Open where balls stop as fast as they do out of the rough. Mm-hmm. It used to be, even if you were a power, powerful player, you, you the ball was going to roll thirty, forty, fifty feet if you got it to fly on the green. So it's mind-boggling. I don't care how strong Bryson is, you know, if he's hitting a wedge out of rough, it's still six inches of rough. Maybe they calculated wrong, but you got to you got to remember the usJ's has made so many mistakes year after year, and how they set up their golf course that that maybe they got timid. I, I, only they could tell you, and quite honestly, they won't tell you the truth.
0: Nicholas has been screaming for years, Ken. Ken Green, our guest, a terrific player in the 80s, Ryder Cup, winner on the PGA Tour multiple times, in contention at the Masters a few times. Nicholas has been screaming for years and years, you know, Ken, that the ball is the problem. We need to re- rein back in the ball. Other people think it's the technology and the drivers. You can hit it too long and too straight with these new drivers. If Ken Green were were the grand poobah of all things golf, what
7: would you do? I, I, the two things that I would focus on, you know, the technology, the shafts, it's all about the shafts. It's not the, it's not necessarily the club head itself when it comes to drivers. The shafts now are, are specialized for, you know, this kind of flight or that kind of flight. Would you change that? I say go ahead and leave all that as is. But you've got to do something with the ball because that's the only thing we can make even for everybody. So, you know, you have to think about the 12-year-old that's going to be the professional golfer in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you've got to get him starting to play that ball now. And you've just got to say for five years on the regular tour, we're letting you play this ball. But come the sixth year, this is the ball. So that gives them time to adjust their game. Everyone's afraid now of lawsuits, so I I just I I think the USGA has backed themselves up into a corner. I I don't know where they can go.
0: I want to go back to your thought about Bubba—that Bubba's going to win at the Masters, but he's not going to win at the others. Why wouldn't Bubba Watson watch this and say to himself, "Look, I may not drive it quite as far. I'm as long, just about as long as he is. Why don't I drive it? Why don't I drive it on every hole, all 14?" par fours and par fives. I'll just hit driver, hit it as far as I can, and do what he did. Why wouldn't some of the long players that wouldn't ordinarily be true contenders at a U.S. Open borrow a page out of this guy's playbook, or is it just not that simple?
7: Well, no, I mean, Bubba Bubba can. But see, the difference between Bubba and Bryson, Bryson basically tries to hit everything as hard as he can with very little movement one way or the other. And Bubba plays, he hits it really far, but his ball is always moving, which is going to give him less distance. He literally plays a 20, sometimes a 30-yard fade or draw. Mm-hmm. So will Bubba, will Bubba turn around and say, you know what? Screw this trying to get in play all the time. You know, that's why he moves it because it's easier to keep it in play. Well, maybe I'll just tee it up and just swing harder and, and hit it straighter. You know, it's the only time going to tell. What what these guys are going to pick from what Bryson just did at Wingfoot? Okay, but it, it's just it's, it has to come that way. I mean, if you're a young kid, and you know the the, the teachers that are teaching these young kids, you'd have you have to be naive not to let to think that this is the, the new way of golf, and and you just gotta you got to teach this this swing, which isn't so quote the right way, but. It, it's basically a one plane type swing with a different stance, you know, he's hired a dress and he, you could all break down the swing, but it's his style of swing that allows that extra fifteen miles an hour club head speed. Because like I said, everyone's done it before, but no one's gained this kind of distance. Yeah. You know how hard it is to gain forty yards in six months?
0: <laughs> it's crazy. You you call it you call it a one plane swing and yet when I was watching him on the range, he was there until like nine or ten o'clock on Saturday night before the fourth and final round. It looked to me like he was working on the rerouting of the club, bringing it to the inside. They say that he brings that club an inside path to the ball that's more. That's crazier than anybody else who delivers it from the inside. I know this is a little bit too golfy for some people, but I'm I'm interested in it. What what do you see when you look at it?
7: Well, it's, it, he does. It's not an exact one plane where you take it back and you come back the same angle. Right. But he's basically the way he takes it back and turns is totally different than the the you know the great Tiger Woods or Jack or Sam Snead or anybody else of today's era. He just whips it far back and as far down the line or inside the line, so to speak, and just rips through it and just says, here I'm going. Yeah. You might as well be a guy who plays the long, you know, in the long tour driving contest, you know? Yeah. Hell, if any of them have any side of any side of short game in them, they're going to, they're going to start thinking they can play the game of golf because they, you know, they fly it even farther than Bryson does. Yeah. yeah. If there's no penalty, why not just get up there on, on cork that puppy?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. All right, so like it or not, let's conclude with this. Like it or not, Augusta National, I guess they're going to play it here in the next month or two, and then they're going to turn around yeah, and yeah. play it again in April, and they're going to play at Tory Pines. Whether we like Bryson DeChambeau and the way he goes about his business or not, are we stupid not to make him the favorite in all these
7: tournaments? Unless somebody gets on a roll. You know, everyone thought DJ was on a roll, but you, you have to put him up there, you know, especially – this is going to be his first time attacking Augusta with his new style. People have to be fascinated. What is he going to do to Augusta if he just starts just wailing at it? Yeah. And it's uh, and then then again, what's Fred Ridley going to do about it? Yeah. How is he going to counteract Bryson?
0: You don't think the USGA is happy right now, do
7: you? Oh, they are. They are <laughs> pissed. There's no other way around it. The idea that they thought they set this thing up to be just a brutal test of golf, and this guy goes out and, like you said, hits a a third of his fairways and makes everyone else look like dog soup. Oh, gosh. I can promise you, they're meeting right now having cocktails, (laughs) wondering how the hell we're going to stop this. The
0: great Ken Green, it is great to catch up with you. Thank you for doing it again, and I hope we find you well, your family well, and I look forward to our next visit. Let's talk around Augusta time, okay?
7: You got it, big boy.
0: My guy, Ken Green, former winner on the PGA Tour Ryder Cup player and one of, as I say, the most, if not the most, colorful guy on the PGA Tour from yesteryear, Ken Green joining us on Mitch Unfiltered, like it or not. Bryson DeChambeau is playing the game differently. He's the U.S. Open champion, and he's taken that long show to Augusta National in a few weeks. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, the CEO of the incredibly busy partner of ours, Evergreen Gov, called Tyler. Hey, Tyler, every time I turn around, I see an article in the Puget Sound Business Journal about exciting things happening at your place. What's going on over there?
8: Yeah, Mitch, we just recently acquired a accounting firm, actually Mercer Island-based. They've been in business for over 40 years. We just thought that adding accounting piece to what we do on the wealth management side would make us kind of a one-stop shop for clients. And people like simplicity these days, so we thought it would help simplify people's lives.
0: Did I also read, Tyler, about a fund that you guys raised to invest in local Puget Sound technology companies?
8: Yeah, we also did that. There was uh, an article we invested in a... Um, in a local firm called Fuse. They're a venture capital uh, fund that invests in local tech startups. And so we created a partnership with them. And actually, Bobby Widener of the Seahawks is involved with that. And there's a pretty cool article on ESPN for your listeners who want to do some polite reading. They can find it. And it's exciting. We're we're excited to be a part of, of what they're doing.
0: Every time I talk to Tyler Hay in person, I almost feel like I'm, I'm speaking with somebody who knows more about sports than I do. So let's get some picks from you. The NFL season is here. The NBA's postseason is revved up. I want an NBA champion and a a Super Bowl champion. Stick your neck out for once in your life, Tyler Hay.
8: All right. Uh, I'll go with – I know know he's not a loved guy by all all your listeners, but I'll go with LeBron and the Lakers in the NBA. Sorry to disappoint those that are LeBron haters. And then – I like the hometown. I like the Hawks. Oh, I think they're going to make on. a run. I know oh, it's a homer stop pick. It. No. Oh, my God. Hey, 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 Mitch, they're 18 <laughs> to 1. Find me better Super Bowl odds than that. Okay.
0: All right, 18 to 1 on the Seahawks. And as always, we like to say the first step to learning about all the great work that happens at Evergreen Golf Call is the website, evergreengk.com, and the free newsletter, correct?
8: That's the way to do it,
0: Yep. We appreciate all your support, too, Mitch. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager here in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment with Hot Shot Scott, episode 109. There's always a lot of negative stuff
1: going around, so I thought I'd bring something that was really uplifting and sweet. You may have seen the video of it. Okay. There was a triathlon did you see this triathlon where this guy was in?
0: No, th- doesn't ring a bell.
1: He was in third place, and he was about a hundred yards away from finishing, but for some reason he got confused and he went the wrong way for a second and hit like a railing. And the guy who was in fourth said, "I was trailing that guy the whole time." Was he time. running,
0: or was he was he on a? Uh, no, it
1: was the very end. He was running. It was, he was running. The, right. the running part. I don't know. Is the running part the very end? I think it's. I think he okay. was swimming and then biking, which always okay. felt weird because you're okay. gonna get really chafed. Don't down don't
0: there. act like you know. Oh yeah, I'm an expert. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. don't act like you've ever. Okay.
1: Well, I'm an expert on chafing. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> getting on a bicycle after, after swimming sounds awful. Okay. But This is really sweet. So the poor guy in third place went the wrong way. He did. And the guy in fourth passed him, but the guy in fourth stopped and let him regain his third place, which I thought was insanely sweet. And they asked why would him he,
0: I don't even think that that's. Uh, it's sweet, but why would he do that? He said, he goes, I was behind this guy the whole time. So what? It's All's good. love and fair in triathlons. <laughs> is this the new Sunday Mitch? <laughs> well, so, uh, Jason wants me to be spunky. All right. This is for Jason. Go screw that guy. He went the wrong <laughs> way. Take his position.
1: And the organizers of the race decided to give the guy an honorary third place, and he ended up getting third place money anyway third place prize money because okay. they thought that was very sweet so there you okay. go good right. for him
0: okay do you like lebron james i mentioned it at the top of the show do you like lebron james i do like lebron james you I, like him personally yeah i feel like he puts his
1: money where his mouth is yeah, a bit i feel like yeah. he does a lot of good things did
0: you see that he was bitching and moaning that he didn't win the mvp that he finished second in the mvp i didn't see that i don't that. really understand that i don't know what he was trying to do because there's not one person in the world that watched the nba that thinks that he deserved the mvp is he a little past his prime or... No, no. He was great. He was great. But the guy in Milwaukee, the Greek freak that won the MVP, had yeah. by far and away... I mean, it's not even close. Should have been unanimous. I don't even know if it was unanimous. Maybe it was. And LeBron James is crying and whining. I, I just don't... I don't like the look. I don't like the look. Bad luck. Yeah. yeah. A guy as accomplished as him that has all the hardware. I mean, he's being considered by many people as one of the greats in the world. Comes out publicly and says, I'm pissed about being second in the MVP.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Especially with, with all he's accomplished.
0: Like, would you really
1: need an MVP trophy at this point? Like well, another pl- one? He's got plenty. Th- that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Come on,
0: come on, Eddie Murphy. You're a big fan. Love I- Eddie Murphy. I'm a big Once fan. Once you to do him on stage, I told you that. Story. Yes,
1: you did tell a that. Sunrise story. Musical Theater. Yes, he scored his first Emmy ever.
0: Is really? That weird? The Emmys were on Sunday night while the Seahawks were playing. They right? were, yes. Ah, damn. Shit's Creek did well, right? Big fan. I kept on seeing, I kept on seeing like, alerts. Shits Creek has won again. Shit's Creek has won again. I think one of the underrated guys, and I, I watched Shits Creek for a while. I got a little tired of it okay. during the pandemic. My, my son and I watched, yeah. and my wife was not happy that my son was watching it, so that, that, that went away. But I just think that, and I don't even know how he, if he pronounces it like me or not. Eugene, oh, does he go Levy or Levy? He goes Levy. He does go Levy? Yeah. He does it wrong? I had a doctor yeah. named Dr. Levy when I was a kid. You did? Yeah. I, I think he is so underrated. Is there anything that he's in that he's not funny? His brand of humor oh, really gets me. Prodigious. Him, him in uh, in American Pie? The best. I mean, he stole the show. He, he yep. was the funniest thing in American Pie. The awkward I, dad. Yeah. He's amazing. He's you, great. You, he's so good. I think he's so underrated. No, yeah. He's, yeah. he's SCTV. He was yeah. a writer back then. He's, yeah. And his son is
1: in this thing, well, Schitt's Creek? His Greek. son and his daughter. Really? His daughter's the waitress. And his son plays his son.
0: I don't remember the waitress in the little cafe. Twyla, I think her name is Twyla, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, shit's Creek's hilarious. But
1: Eddie Murphy won his first ever Emmy. Uh, He was nominated for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series for his appearance on Saturday Night Live. Pretty remarkable that his his SNL appearance was the first time in 35 years since he hosted. Isn't that crazy? And then, so Eddie said he's going to go back on stage and do more comedy. That's the good news. He's going to try stand-up again. When was the last time he did stand-up? It's been forever, right? Um, He says he planned to do it before the pandemic, but uh, once he gets the all clear, he's going to go before live audiences.
0: You know, I lost track of him a little bit, but I loved him on Saturday Night Live. Great. I loved him in his first few movies, the Beverly Hills Cop movies. 48 Hours. 48 Hours was fantastic. 48 Hours. (laughs) Trading Places. Trading Places is what I was thinking. Which one is 48 Hours? Nick Nolte. Okay, then what one was Beverly Hills Cop? So he's not in Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, he's in all three. Okay, now I'm confused. Of which one it was? Which one I love? Forty-eight hours. Was I first. Love, love Trading, trading places. places.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd. I love Trading Places. What does Dan Aykroyd say when he when
0: he gets caught? I've with the never jer- seen that in my life. <laughs> yeah, that- but but what I yeah. love, there's. I, <laughs> I think scary. I can hang with you fellas for. But how about when the cops in the very first <laughs> scene that Eddie Murphy's even in in Trading Places, the cops pick him off. He's a guy with no legs. He right. picks him up in his legs, and he goes my legs (laughs) they've grown you guys are awesome you know something like that so it's a miracle it's so great
1: i I love the scene in beverly hills cop when he pulls his piece of crap car up to the valet at the beverly hills hotel That hunk of shit car and he goes all this stuff happened last time i was here so be careful with it
0: i was was gonna say and you probably left before you saw it it it's actually a good segue from the eugene levy and all of his kids being with him and i think that's really nice when you can work with your kids and so forth and it's a fine line though right you don't want your kids getting jobs that maybe they don't deserve and I think, so there's a yeah. little there's a little bit of that nepotism or whatever sure. you call it but i don't know if you saw this the guy that was doing the anchoring of nbc sunday night football at the end on the sideline at the end after the game is over and at the beginning the sideline I didn't guy see it, yeah. i think it's chris collinsworth's son is that right yeah and I, I don't know i didn't watch it real closely so i don't for all i know he's like he's like Howard Cosell, good. I, I I don't know, right? But I just wonder, yeah. Why is Chris Collinsworth's son the pregame and postgame host on Football Night in America? Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of young, sure. good broadcasters, TV guys. That I mean, I I don't know. For all I know, he's he's great. He's earned his keep. He's gone through the ranks. He's done. He's gone to Topeka, Kansas, and everywhere right. else. For all I know, I'm guessing no. Yeah. But it rubbed me the wrong way. And let's be honest, Chris Collinsworth. Unfiltered.
1: Chris Collinsworth isn't in the booth because he's a was a great broadcaster. Now I think he's since turned into a pretty good broadcaster. I think he's really good. But he was in the booth because he. Played in the NFL. That's how he got his in. So, so, right. it's not, so it's not even like this kid comes from the lineage of some it bothered great. Me it yeah. Bothered me just a little I bit. Yeah, bother me just a little. I could see that. But Eugene Levy's yeah. son did write the show. Okay, he, he created it and wrote okay. it. And okay, hired his okay. dad and yeah. it's awesome. All right, yeah. what, what do you do when your power's out and you have to get to work and your electric-powered gate won't open? You can picture the those big iron gates that like you know you got to be you have a couple bucks if your house is huge and you got those iron gates. Yeah. Okay. If like you're like in the front of the house. In the front of the house. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. If you're Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
0: Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody what he did he channeled I, know, I, I saw this he channeled his inner black atom which yeah. means nothing
1: to you because you're not a comic that means, no. comic hero
0: yeah he literally tore
1: his electric fence out of the ground so he could get out and go to work he couldn't it wouldn't open so he said i tried to override the hydraulic system to open the gates which usually works when the power goes out but this time it wouldn't work i made some calls they couldn't get here on time hmm. by this time i know i have hundreds of production crew members waiting for me to come to work so we can start He said, so in true Black Adam fashion, Johnson used the strength of Amon, I guess, to rip the damn thing down. And there's pictures. He just ripped the entire metal fence, like, out. Okay. It's crazy. Okay. Have you seen him? He's so enormous. I know.
0: He's gotten bigger and bigger. He's bigger
1: than he was in wrestling. And he's the biggest
0: star in in show business, isn't he? Isn't he the biggest? Biggest meaning the highest paid? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, every year he's... He makes eighty-two million or something more, or, probably, probably more. Yeah, just from acting roles. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I'm
0: sorry that his his gate didn't open. I apologize. I really feel badly.
1: It's before. you know it was a tough first time for him. First world problems. Yeah, he ripped it completely I only out have, of the I wall. have
0: one more that I thought would go would be more appropriate when you're at your end. Are you do you have a lot more so you can continue on? You want to oh, yeah. you want to throw anything else at me the, uh, before re- I uh, before I ask you why you haven't brought up a story that I I'm one hundred percent sure that a you're aware of. Well, no, I'm 85% sure that you're aware of. Yeah. I'm 100% sure that it's right up your alley. And the fact that if you're aware of this story and you haven't brought it up at either the P episodes or the regular shows, I got to question whether uh,
1: you need some help. What percent chances are that I have it right here? None. Really?
0: Yeah, because okay. you would have, this is kind of an older An older story. Okay. I don't know. Maybe,
1: maybe. I got one more and then I have a final one.
0: Okay. This is kind of like the final one. Okay. But it involves sports, mainstream sports, but it's kind of like your final story. Oh, this the one I have. Okay. Rough week for Maria Taylor. Do you see all this shit? Yes. I've been watching it. Yes. What is going on with people? Well, yeah. yeah. Maria Taylor. Tell everybody who she is. ESPN reporter. Yes. Has been questioned about A, what she wore at some... On the yeah. sideline somewhere or something, right? So on, and then and then she was questioned about why she has an MBA, uh, first team All NBA vote well, because she didn't she made vote a mistake for Anthony Davis, yeah, right? She probably, she, yeah, and Doug Gottlieb got on her.
1: So on Monday she made her debut as a sideline reporter on Monday Night Football, and some dipshit right. on 670 The Score in Chicago named Dan McNeil suggested that her outfit made her look like she should be hosting an adult films award show. Right. And Hilarious. then bad week, and well, then well, it continued. He he deleted that and still got fired. 24 fire he got fired. He got fired. fired yeah yeah okay, so then she didn't vote for anthony davis on her on her m b a first team. and admitted
0: it was a mistake
1: right okay so this guy posted, he, he was actually being kind of nice. I can't remember his name. Doug Gottlieb. Well, no, Harrison Fagan okay. looked at the ballot as the Lakers writer. He's Yeah, Lakers writer. Yeah. And he, he saw that she was, so he just posted and said, I don't know why she wouldn't do this. And right. then here come the misogynistic and the sexist right. comments, go right. back to the kitchen, the whole thing. So then he deleted it and said, I apologize. I didn't think people were going to do That's that. That's not why, yeah. And then for some reason, I don't, some guy named Doug Gottlieb. Doug but, Gottlieb, you don't know who he is? I know who he is. Okay. Is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. He just seems so annoying for some reason. He,
0: he is annoying. He is annoying. Couldn't help but stick his nose in this? He stuck his nose in it. He stuck his nose in it. He claimed, and, and, you know, I don't love Doug Gottlieb. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he said. He was asking why she has a vote, which came off looking real. I mean, I think he was better off just swallowing that than yep. writing that or doing that on a show. Yeah. He was asking, look, she is... She is spread thin. She does a lot of great work, and he complimented her over and over again. She's really, really good hard worker, but she isn't the type of person, the type of personality uh, or media member that should be voting on the all-NBA team. It should be people that are dedicated only to the world of the NBA. Yeah. And he was saying that d- d- gender has nothing to do with this. He would say the same thing about some other people that he, he he mentioned, but she took offense to that, and the world took offense to that, and it was probably something that he shouldn't have said. He should yeah. have thought it, but, but not said it.
1: And she responded back by saying, well, because I played basketball, which she did for four years in right. Georgia, I right. want to say, right. uh, I cover the league, right. and I deserve everything I've worked hard for. Right. So, yeah, yeah, kind of a rough week for her, though. Very now, that's rough. That's some week, debut, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah,
0: Monday Night Football debut. But she's really good. She, I mean, she you, have good. You, have you watched? I mean, I didn't see her on Monday Night Football, so I have no idea how she did on Monday Night Football. She seems She's great. really good. She's really, really and good. I thought her outfit yeah. was tasteful. And she and it seems like... very knowledgeable in the NBA. But, yeah. What do I know. Anyway, all right. You're up. I don't have What do you have? Oh, you said there's one. I'm just, there's just one story that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned. And I I don't really want to get into it. Oh, really? Because it's not my style of story at this stage of my life, but it's yours. Why have we not talked about Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't know if I know this. Come on. Really? There was a podcast, uh, a very aggressive, sexually oriented podcast of two women on like barstool sports or somewhere like that. And one of them, or like three women and one of them accused odell beckham jr of like of liking to be pooped on come on yeah like what a baby would do to you to poop on like what but misty does to to us all the time yeah do you not know this no okay. i don't know all this. right let's forget it well let's forget it but he, now i have to
1: go read it and then bring it back read to it, the bring show it,
0: bring it back at 109 okay 109 p you go research the show and and his now he's now responded publicly about all this is yes. he denying that he's into that? You go look. At the, I'm going to leave you that with that as a tease for you to bring it back up on 109P, if you'd like. All right. A woman on this show who says she has experience with Odell Beckham Jr. or knows somebody okay. who's got experience, he likes to be yeah. pooped hey, on. Who am
1: I? Who am I to judge? <laughs> People are into what they're into. All right, we ready for the last yes, one so we can please. go home? Yes, I'm ready. A Florida woman. Yes. Was a, was arrested at a Walmart for dining on wine, sushi, and a rotisserie chicken from the store while driving a motorized cart, according to a report from the Citrus <laughs> County Sheriff's Office. Seal Levy from West Palm Beach. No. <laughs> 20 year old stop it 20 year old I would never love your mom more if oh, she was the one who was doing this stop it <laughs> 20 year old Jocelyn Lopez was eating sushi cinnamon rolls and most of a rotisserie chicken while driving the scooter around the store the store's loss prevention officer told police that he saw half empty wine bottle in the scooter so that he continued to keep an eye on her he says he witnessed her pick up sushi taste it and put it back on the shelf he said <laughs> god Just, no, she did the same with mini muffins oh, god. and cinnamon rolls took, seal. A little, took a little bite and put it back nah i'm not gonna my buy dad that. would have
0: said may he rest in peace damn it seal
1: <laughs> yeah right you definitely would have said it after this if she did this damn it seal <laughs> once lopez was arrested police found several empty syringes in her yeah. possession yeah admitted that she had been using meth so there you go in oh, florida seal's
0: been using meth yeah and uh anything more
1: well, consuming all that food and wine while wearing a mask—I mean, it must have been really difficult to get the. F- oh wait, it was a Walmart in Florida. No one's wearing mask. Forget it. <laughs> Sushi, cinnamon rolls, rotisserie chicken, mini muffins, and wine. Daughter, is that you? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been with a woman from Florida, but it does sound like a relative of mine. I find this story so. Hold une- on. <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah. I find this story really get the weird snipple. because I've always found meth to be an appetite suppressant myself. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not on it. <clears throat> Sushi from Walmart? Does it really matter if a stranger's licked it? <laughs> All right, there you go. I'm going home. All
0: right, I, I, I lied. I have one more. Oh, okay. I just pulled up one more because it will act as a promotion to 109P because this guy's actually going to be – we can get her on if you want to get Seal on. Yeah, okay. We can get her on. This guy we're actually getting on. He's actually agreed oh, nice. to be on, I think, 109P. If not 109P on Thursday, then 110. A 61-year-old man, hot shot. Florida man. It is a Florida man. Of course. A 61-year-old man was walking his dog along a canal near his Florida home Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, when an alligator chomped down on the back of his knee and attempted to drag him into the water. Oh, my gosh. My nightmare. Mark Johnson of Port St. Lucie had noticed the alligator swimming toward them and ordered his golden retriever, Rex, to return home, which he did. Rex did. He stepped onto the mud bank... Johnson got his crock ska- sandal yeah. stuck in the mud oh. and the alligator lunged at him. I'm still in disbelief that the gator lunged at me like he did. I'm a native Floridian. I've been around these things my whole life and this would have been the last thing I would have ever expected. The force knocked Johnson to the ground where he knew it, where he knew it futile to attempt to pry the jaws off of his leg. Yeah, you can't. So what did he do to get away, to tell the story? And it will be on 109B. I can't what did wait he to hear. He poked... His two fingers right into the eyeballs oh, of the alligator. Wow. Right into his eyeballs, oh. and the alligator let him go and swam, swam away immediately. Wow.
1: Now, why, why would he say that's the last thing he thought of now? I mean, maybe not the last because thing. Because
0: Floridians think, Floridians that live near canals, okay, oh boy, think that alligators get a bad rap. That really? alligators don't attack, that gators don't attack. Okay. That they're misunderstood. Like sharks. That's what. I, and this is just a guess. I'll ask him that very question. Yeah, yeah. When I have him on, I'll ask him that very Why question. Why the last? My thing? guess is, is he thought gators don't attack humans, mm. but yeah. this, this one did, well, and he got away when he poked the. He poked him. Remember, uh, remember the Three Stooges? Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. But yeah. But the then you put the thing to up, block it. Had it, the yeah. alligator <laughs> just done that? <laughs> right. To block the two fingers, he wouldn't be here to tell the story.
1: Wow, But good the alligator for
0: him. was not quick enough to put the hand up.
1: Right. Like, Could have turned like his like snout Mo. sideways, maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm glad he's around to tell, that, to tell a story. That's I can't wait I to hear it. That's all I That's got, all too. I got. Go Hawks.
0: Um, Misty is the, is the code word for week three of Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. That's right. Okay. Uh, 109P coming Thursday. Fantasy Football League advice also Thursday or Friday for patrons. We'll do another Seahawks no table with two guys that cover the Seahawks every single day of their lives. Yep. We'll do that. More golf instruction coming for our patrons and a free September is still available to those that want it. All you got to do is email me at mitch at mitchunfiltered.com. And that, my friends, is it for episode 109. We hope you enjoyed. It's now in the books. <phone rings>